Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Alex. This podcast is part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network, and you can help support the Batman Universe by heading over to patreon.com slash the Batman Universe, and also be sure to take the TBU survey at www.servermonkey.com slash r slash TBU feedback. My name is Tim. Uh, this is episode 125, and joining me as always is Dane. Dane, we're back. We're together again. <laughs> Finally, it's 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 been a while. Yeah, it's been right? about a month, I would say, <laughs> something around that time. Wow, I I think that's the longest we've we've gone without a. I think an so. Episode, yeah. Right? Yeah. Well, I mean, we're back. We have a lot to talk about. I mean, we yes, got Rogue we One. <laughs> we got uh, uh, Final Fantasy. We got uh, the last two episodes of. Um, uh, the the Telltale Batman game, but before we get to all that, we do have a new name because this is a new year. So our uh, our new name is going to be Mark Tiberius Lemke, Chicago Blackhawks fan. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be our name from for 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 this year. I love how it's um, the total opposite of just Alex. It's one simple word, and yeah. Alex, <laughs> it's a big old long title. <laughs> I mean, short name. For last year, and then this year we go back to the long name. You know, it kind of makes. It also sense, makes right? sense too to you know title our show for the year based off our most frequent uh, contributors, listeners. We had Alex this year. We're going to move on to Mark. So <laughs> each year yeah, we can base it yeah. off one of our listeners who always uh, interacts with us on the show. Yeah, definitely. So, so I think we should keep that trend because it seems to be working for us. Uh, Especially with Alex, because it was just Alex, and we didn't have to remember this long sort of uh, name. Exactly. So I guess 2017 yeah. is going to be the year of Mark, and we continue this tradition. I guess right now, 2018, will be Jordan's title. So we're going to start thinking of some stuff that goes with Jordan. <laughs> Jordan. Um, <laughs> I think he's a. I'm not sure where he lives, but I think he's a. Um, Atlanta Hawks fan, um, the, the the basketball team. Um, I I think I seen him post a couple of things on uh, Twitter about uh, the Atlanta Hawks. So maybe something with that. Well, you got plenty of time to think about it. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, we have a exactly. whole year. So um, anyway, but yeah, I guess we, no, yeah, how been, you been, Tim? Been good. Like you said, a lot of cool stuff that happened the last since months since our last episode but unfortunately you know it wasn't all good we did lose Carrie Fisher which was man super bummer that hit me pretty hard when I heard that news which <laughs> it's like one of those things at least for me you know for some with Star Wars I've loved since you know as far back as I can remember I don't remember not liking Star Wars and the characters of Princess Leia Luke Skywalker Han Solo and then of course you know the actors who play them being being a big part of my childhood growing up and then just looking up to them and what they, their work that they did. So it did feel like I was losing a friend because seeing her as Princess Leia for so long throughout my life it was like, man, it, it was such a bummer. And then watching the original trilogy and even The Force Awakens, this, there's going to be something missing now when you watch it. It's going to be like a little bummer that she's not with us anymore. So that was definitely a depressing time to go with the high that we were experiencing with Rogue One. But yeah, like cool stuff going on. I should say too, um, not because we don't want to be too negative on this episode of the doubter, but I felt I sh- should not give that a mention because he was just such an important 
part of my life growing up, and even up till now, just being a massive Star Wars fan. So, gonna miss you, Carrie. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah definitely. I mean, I've, I feel the same way. It was just a big bummer. I mean, I can't say I was a real big David Bowie fan or a Leonard mm, Cohen yeah. fan. Same, but, same with me. Carrie Fisher. Yeah, Carrie Fisher was just. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I just couldn't believe it. I mean, she she was. She was still young and, I mean, seemed healthy and stuff. It's just a bummer yeah, it overall. Really was. Cause like you were saying, you know, everyone's talking about 2016. We were so, lost so many celebrities this year. But for me, like, yeah, yeah it's sad when you anyone like that who's a good person dies, but not necessarily being a huge fan of them, but kind of respecting their work and, didn't really hit me too hard, but like you said, with Carrie Fisher and just being a massive Star Wars fan, that was a big one. I was like, oh man. But yeah, yeah. So that was a, definitely a, a way to end 2016 that sucked. But uh, like we said, tons of stuff that got us excited in the last month or so. And I feel I should mention too because I talked about it over the course of the year how I was rewatching Batman the animated series. I finally finished my rewatch of the original run. <laughs> like right before I think it was December thirty first or December thirtieth. Like I had to make sure I finished it before the year was over. <laughs> so that was done. And then I because I still gotta watch the new Batman Adventures, I figured, you know what? If I just make sure I finish the original run of the animated series, like I wanted to for that year, that'd be good. And then I'll watch the new yeah. Batman Adventures in twenty seventeen because it's going to be the 20th anniversary of that show <laughs> premiering back in 1997. So it all worked out kind of good. But I'm glad I got who knows how many times I rewatched the series, but I finished my latest one this year. So that was a good accomplishment I was happy about. Yeah, and speaking of the um, the animated series, I saw, I can't remember which website it was, but um, they did a top 15 of the um, original animated series, top 15 episodes. And I mean, of course, you had Feet of Clay, you had um, the Two-Face uh, two-parter, you had Heart of Ice, of course. But what, I'm, what I always wonder about these top 15, top 10 lists of the animated series is why uh, It's Never Too Late is never on those lists. I mean, it, it, is it just not recognized as a great episode among among fans? Because it, it probably is my favorite episode of the animated no, series. I see. If for a list that high with 15, I would think it would be on because I'm pretty sure, yeah. at least from the stuff I've read, it is held in high regard as one of the series' better episodes. So, yeah, I know maybe top 10 it wouldn't crack it, but 15, I think it would. If yeah. they did a top 20 list, I think it should definitely be on there. Yeah, I mean, I mean, of course, like all, all of the big episodes are on there. Um, uh, I think... I think uh, I almost got him. Yeah. I think is the name of the uh, see the one the that I feel like it's overlooked the... a lot, but it makes it sometimes probably more so that it's never too late. Is appointment in crime alley? Yeah, that's kind of like a hit and miss as far as making lists. It's there sometimes, and sometimes yeah, it's not. Right? Was it on that one? Cause the yeah. one you just saw? I, I think it was, and I think uh, I mean, of course, the the first appearance of the scarecrow, um, Christmas with the Joker. Really, that was on, was on there. I think. <laughs> Um, one more with uh, the the laughing yeah, fish one, one. that might be the best Joker episode of the yeah. original run and of course do you know what number one was Tim Heart of Ice of course yeah it's Heart <laughs> of Ice yeah 
I mean, it deserves it. And all those episodes deserve to be on that list. But I'm just wondering why. I've never read one top ten list where um, uh, It's Never Too Late has been among one of those. Um, I, I even read a review of that episode, that individual episode, and I, I, I guess the reviewer didn't really like it. That much? Oh, really? Man, that's not to like about that. Yeah. Well, I know Batman's not a main figure of that, but this the story, the story about it and the themes it plays yeah, on. Right. With, uh, Thorn and uh, oh man, come on! Why can't I remember Stromwell? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> better remember those characters' names. <laughs> the family d- yeah. dynamic that Stromwell had with his brother and his son being in rehab and all that, all that like mature adult theme story elements that were in an episode. Especially during that time period, like it sets right. it apart from just even episodes within the series, let alone other cartoon shows at the time. Yeah. So, so I mean, I'm just wondering why that that episode just doesn't get uh, the you know the big mention. Yeah, we should probably do a list sometime like the most underrated Batman the animated series episodes, <laughs> the ones we really like but we feel don't get talked <laughs> about a lot. Well, I mean, at least I got yeah, my you got number one. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I guess before we get on to our feature topic, we got to get back into our Dark Knight Rises minute-by-minute commentary. And this one, thankfully, the long hiatus we had is extending our coverage of the best part of the Dark Knight Rises, the Bane Batman fight. So <laughs> it feels like we've been on this for a while, even though you know it's still a couple episodes in, but... Looks like yeah. we might be nearing the end of this fight. I think we maybe got a minute or two left. But we're going to be going from minute 74 to 75. So go ahead and fire up your DVD players, HD, DVD, VHS, beta, laser disc, your projector. And you know what? Saying all this made me get frustrated with something. You know how 4K is you know becoming the new format for TVs? And right. I just recently heard 8K being out there on like CES and like you gotta be kidding me <laughs> like really? 4K still hasn't even become you know too common in pieces of people's household and now 8K is coming out or in development already it's like give me a break I, I mean it has to be really yeah early, it is right? but still just the fact yeah. that they're mentioning it now is like because oh, like, there's a party that thinks well should I even bother with a 4K now should I just wait for 8K but it's probably gonna be something that maybe 10 yeah. years down the line is when 8K will start rolling out, I guess. But still, that just annoyed me. (laughs) But anyway, so all of your dead media get that, and hopefully not your dead uh, HD TVs (laughs) and 4K TVs if you still have them. But we'll be going ahead and start at the 74-minute mark, so I'll go ahead and give the countdown, and we'll start in 3, 2, 1, play. Start with a nice shot of Bane's back. (laughs) And this is probably my favorite dialogue of the whole sequence. Where he goes, Bane tells you, you think darkness is your ally. You merely adopted the dark. I was born in it. It's not very dark, That's though. true. You can still see Bane in some lights back there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the waterfall. You saw Bane crafts Batman. Like, this, Batman looks like was it, he was trying to sneak up on him, but didn't make his move quick enough. Uh, just seeing his helmet get punched over and over again. The sound on that just gets you like, or how the helmet gets cracking. I remember being so excited when he said that line, then I'll break you. <laughs> like, you had to say that at one point in this movie. 
tumblers come falling down, and we are done with this minute. So oh, the majority no. of the fight's really? over, but we still got the big moment coming up. <laughs> I think. Well, at least yeah, there's I something. I think we'll probably hit that <laughs> in our next episode. But yeah, yeah it's lasting us a good while, so I'm happy about that. <laughs> but I guess we can go go into our future topic, which is just kind of going to be a catch up with you and me, Dane, and some of the stuff that we just mentioned, the big stuff that went on since our last episode, Rogue One, our time playing our most anticipated yeah. game of the year Final Fantasy 15 and our final review <laughs> of the last two episodes of Batman the Telltale series so let's start with the big one Rogue One <laughs> we talked about it over the course <laughs> of the year it came what'd you think um initially when I first saw it my, my first viewing of it I felt that the the, the, the beginning was not quite there. I felt that maybe it got cut up a little. Yeah, definitely. Did. A little bit. You know, <laughs> you know, I know they went back and did the reshoots. I'm not sure what they reshot, but um, I felt that the beginning kind of wasn't that great. Um, but it's all uh, forgiven because of the ending. I felt that the ending was really, really brave of Lucasfilm, Disney. Um, I just thought it was the perfect ending. I know a lot of people were expecting, you know, Jin to be the mother of uh, Ray. Right, right. Um, but I just thought it was in- incredibly brave and perfect. Um, I mean, they, they, they don't. No, none of them make it. Uh, they, they're they're just there. This this entire film is just about getting the information about the Death Star, and I just love that. I just love how they they don't try to connect it to anything else. It's just here's your story, and um, this is what happens, and you know what happens next. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that that took me by surprise too when I first saw it. Where man, they killed everyone off because I speculated. I figured most of them were probably not going to make it, but maybe one or two was going to survive, but. No, I mean, I mean, K2SO, the joy made it out. So, yeah, but it worked perfectly for the story they were trying to tell. It made perfect sense that, you know, they would sacrifice themselves for the greater good. I just like that whole theme of the sacrifice that these group of characters made for the greater good of the galaxy and how, you know, what their sacrifice made for the Death Star plans to get to Leia and then in turn, you know, having Luke being able to destroy the Death Star. I just love... Even though they never meet each other, but how what those rebels did there in Rogue One connected with Luke destroying the Death yeah. Star just laid out really perfectly. And I kind of know what you're saying when I first saw it too. With the beginning, I felt it was the pacing on a bit was a little off from what I'm used to in Star Wars movies. It was like they were going to two di- many different characters all at once. It wasn't like on the level I felt Batman v Superman's pacing was off. It just felt a little weird, but it helped, it got better definitely on second viewing. So I understand what you were coming from there, but uh, yeah. I totally took to these new characters. Even well, I should say when I first saw it, I didn't get fully like I didn't fully love these characters like I did the new characters in Force Awakens right away. Even though they were good characters and I got invested in the story, they just didn't have the same impact as the ones in the Force Awakens did, like Ray Finn and Kylo Ren. But seeing it on multiple times, I got more invested the more I saw it with them. And then reading certain stuff from like the visual guy, getting a little more history to them helped too. But just watching it more and more and just viewing it and getting to know the characters better that way really helped. And 
there's some of my favorite characters. Well, I shouldn't say all time favorites, but they're up. They could be amongst in the conversation. Some of my favorite Star Wars characters. I I really like Cassian's that character and just how his you know dilemma and struggles that he went through through the course of the movie being a rebel assassin and spy. I just love that new dynamic it painted for the rebellion as far as you know they're all not just clean cut good guys here they have to do some dirty stuff too to get the job done i just love how it painted that new aspect for the rebels in particular cassian i mean when he killed yeah. that <laughs> informant at the very beginning like oh man <laughs> i wasn't expecting that <laughs> from one of the main hero characters but it had a great payoff in the end where the rebel fleet wouldn't you know approve or approve the mission to go get the Death Star plans on Scarif that Jin was suggesting and when she had nobody casting his group volunteered because of the bad stuff they did what's the point of it if the Rebel Alliance is disbanding now like we can't have that I mean all we did all that stuff we did would be for nothing if we don't see this through so I loved how his character arc developed that way and how to pay off of coming to the realization yeah we've done bad stuff but we got to make sure it was all worth it in the end so and again playing into that theme of sacrificing for the greater good so yeah all great stuff with the characters there but it's one of my nitpicks of it was was like and i said this before too on the saga continues podcast where probably my expectations were too high for the battle of scarif the ground battle anyway because i thought the space battle was amazing but the actual ground battle on scarif i couldn't help but be a little disappointed with it because i thought we're gonna get this because it kept building it up as this massive war Star Wars movie and it did have that but I thought it was going to be bigger with rebel troops fighting the imperial troops on Scarif and there were moments but I just felt the cutaway sometimes didn't last on certain scenes long enough to get me fully excited into those battles on the ground on Scarif and they were cool when we saw them but just not long enough and maybe they're a little small scale where they're in the bunker they're hiding behind these like crates I was kind of expecting more on the beach and like the jungle aspect but again that could have been my fault building it up for myself too much but the, and knowing too where there's a lot of stuff cut from the trailers that didn't make it in there like Cassie and Jin and K2SO running on the beach when she had the Death Star planned and you see the walkers shooting at them I kept waiting for that scene to come because that was one of the, the best shots from the very first teaser we got and I when I was seeing them in the database archive where they're trying to get the Death Star plans I was okay okay, I know they're going to get him. I know they're going to go back outside because there's that part in the trailer where we see the walker shooting at him. So this is not over yet. And then kind of when she got on the top and she was going to send the the plans through the signal, the satellite signal, I was like, I don't know if we're going to get that because it looks like things are wrapping up here. So uh, that was the disappointing stuff that I was really looking forward to not being in the movie when they kept showing it over and over in advertisements. It was like, ugh. It would have helped, I thought, expand the massive scale of that battle on Scarif that I was expecting if they had a sequence like that in the movie. So that's something I got to get over. I think it, I eventually will once I see it more and more and just accept it for what that battle is. But I just couldn't help be a little disappointed in that ground scarif battle. I, I think that's something I'm kind of in the minority in because yeah. I know everyone seems to love it. Yeah, and again, I think it wasn't so much about the battle on scarif. I think it was about. I mean, I think this whole movie was about just getting those <laughs> plans for the Death Star, you know, and maybe the battle scarif is going on around them, but what you're getting is their perspective yeah. you know uh, Jin's perspective and Cassian's and you know who, all of them yeah that's a good point too and because 
like I yeah. said, the stuff that we did get on there was pretty cool. I just kind of wish it was lasted a little longer, drawn out longer. Because there were shots where you see an action's about to happen, and then it cuts to the space battle or back to Jin and Cassian. So this is coming from, you know, just wanted to see a more epic scale, I guess, battle than kind of like they were advertising in the marketing for it. But I'll get over it. And the Death Troopers did not disappoint for me. I had high expectations going in for them, and I loved them. It wasn't like Captain Phasma. <laughs> they didn't do anything. It was nice look cool. But they look cool, and they got their job done. Yeah, but I, I do wish we got more um, uh, Jin and Saul. Uh, time. Yeah, I can see I mean, What did she do with him? I mean, what kind of missions did she go on when she was um, with him? You know, I... I just wish we got more of that, but... Um, I think we will get that in a comic or I, I, <laughs> book or something. I think we'll definitely yeah. hear some of those stories. I mean, I guess the, the, the movie strength is that um, knowing what the ending is, knowing how it ends, um, all of these characters could have been throwaway characters, right? Besides, I'd say Jin, right? Um, but you do get a great sense of who they are in the short time that Definitely. you know we do see them yeah i mean because we're, we're probably not gonna get a prequel no, to this, definitely right? not a movie but probably like <laughs> i said comics or books or something we'll get yeah right right and and you do get a good good sense of who they are you know you get a good sense of who bodhi is um you, you get a good sense of who saw is even though he i think he has the least amount of screen time almost all yeah. of them right yeah, yeah. so I think it did a really good job. Yeah, definitely. But now the question I have for you, what did you think of the CG stuff in there, the big ones of Tarkin and Leia at the end? <laughs> yeah. Uh, the first time I saw Tarkin, I could tell that, I mean, uh, uh, I mean, of course, it's not Peter yeah. Tarkin, right? <laughs> um, but uh, it, it seemed really robotic to me the first that in that first uh, Tarkin scene. Um, just... I just saw completely right through it. I, I I couldn't believe believe it. Um, but as the movie went on, I could kind of, you know, buy into it more and more. And of course, uh, Lay at the end, I thought was uh, the the best part of the the CGI. Yeah, I kind of with you on Tarkin at the beginning, the first shot because I knew it was coming. I knew about the CG Tarkin going into it. I've heard yeah. kind of some bad reports about it leading into it, so I was kind of preparing myself for look for it not to look that great. But when they first showed him, it was like, "Oh, I definitely you could definitely tell the CG." Like you said, you definitely saw right through. Yeah, I mean, there's some there's just something wrong with it. Like yeah. the way he's walking, it, it it just looked like something was off. But, but I'm sorry, go ahead. I, I I oh okay, I do have to say that um, I've seen it three times. Um, and the more I see it, the more I buy into it. Yeah, because when I first so. saw him, like I said, I had that initial reaction where, yeah, I could tell. But I thought, you know what? It does look pretty good. Not as bad as everyone's saying it is. And like you, as the movie went along, I thought it looked better or just got used to it where it was it just, it just was matching the other characters around him better, especially towards the end. And I just got to gotta give Island props, really, because we know this technology is going to get better down the line then pretty soon you probably won't be able to tell but for where they're at now i think it's probably as good as it's going to get and it for the most part over i'd say like 95 percent, it 
fits well with the movie, at least for me now, where it doesn't distract you or take you out of it. And I know even from a few people I saw it with, they didn't even tell <laughs> it was a CG target. They were wondering how uh, right. Peter Cushion still looked the same <laughs> after all these years. So <laughs> they, I know they did their job for some people, but in the yeah. end, I think it's going to be a milestone effect where, I mean, they've said before they don't want to kind of keep doing this to bring back actors who have passed away for roles, but they just felt for a story that's centered on the Death Star in this time period, time period, it was crucial to have Tarkin in there and they got the okay from the Peter Cushion family and they went about it. And I'd say overall they did a really good job and for, you know, doing something unprecedented. And I think we'll probably not as much yeah. as like uh, computer animated characters and like you know, Jar Jar, they paved the way for the motion capture and all that stuff won't be used as much because I guess just the ethics of it, where you really want to bring back too many uh, actors who have passed away back in movie roles, but if, if they want to, the technology is definitely there now, and I think they paved the way for that with this is what they did with Tarkin. Yeah, definitely. Um, but I do have to say that the uh, the the Princess Leia uh, CGI definitely worked uh, for me. Like I, the, the first time I saw, I mean, that first time that you see her, it's like, oh, okay, that's. I mean that that's a CGI character. Yeah. That's not Gary Fisher, but um, it, it it definitely works. Um, I, I totally buy yeah, it. What a perfect way to end the movie um, too! Like perfect ending to let lead up to a new home. Yeah. is so so good. Yeah, I mean, I mean, if you haven't seen the movie, it ends essentially at the beginning yeah. of a new hope. <laughs> and uh, but before we get to that. Oh, yes. We do have to talk about oh, the Vader, <laughs> the Vader fight. The, the, I, I, I actually thought when I first saw that scene that they recreate. I mean, they, um, they, they redid the, um, or they were redoing the scene for uh, the, the hallway scene in uh-huh. uh, A New Hope, the, that first scene. I thought they were redoing it somehow, where Vader's like flying all kinds of guys all over the place. But then, this is before that, right before that, yeah. right? Yeah. Dude, man, I we knew Vader had, was going to have some type of moment in this movie. I was not expecting this, but I was glad this is what we got because man, it was so awesome to see Vader unleashed like the way he did in this. Man, the way he was twirling his lightsabers, using the Force to lift up the soldiers. That one guy just lifts up into the ceiling and then just slices him like with a backhand slash of his lightsaber, deflecting blast yeah. bolts back at them. Man, it was. It was described by people as being like a, a scene of horror, like in a horror film or something. It definitely had that effect when you were watching this Vader, most of those rebel soldiers. Jeez, man, it was so good. And even when it ended, one of my favorite shots in the movie is just him looking out as the ship makes its way out. You see him and two stormtroopers in the wreckage of that ship out in space. It just looks like a very cool, almost like video game image or fan art concept art someone would do but you're seeing that in live action in a movie it just looks so so cool but man that scene I was so glad I didn't yeah. know going into it what it was going to be because after that was over the energy in the movie theater when that happened it was like an experience I've never had before and everyone was just a buzz for seeing that just geeking out so much it was incredible some more well that's like a movie moment in the theater I'll never forget it was amazing 
best uh, Vader fight scene, Kevin? Yeah, it has to be. <laughs> I mean, from just <laughs> showing Vader's dominance, I mean, yeah, his fight with Luke on Empire, for me, is always going to be the best. But just because for different reasons, you got Luke being in there, the family dynamic, the big reveal. But just from a pure Vader action standpoint, yeah, this is as good as it gets with him displaying all his powers and showing why he's so feared in the galaxy. It's so, so awesome. <laughs> There was a bunch of good Vader stuff in this. Um, in, in I'll Rogue say One. just the perfect uh, amount not too. Really that. Not too much yeah. where he overshadows the main characters in the story, but not too little where it's like, well, I wish we got more Vader. It was just perfect. Right. I mean, it's, it 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 definitely doesn't have that feel where it's you know it's a Darth Vader yeah. movie <laughs> more than anything. Right? As much as I love um, that, <laughs> but <laughs> but we get to see his. Uh, his his oh, palace that blew me away say. too when I first saw that oh, like old concept <laughs> yeah. art that we've seen so long ago making its way into a movie was so yeah. cool and the fact that it was on Mustafar oh, it was awesome yeah he's in the tank and oh, it was great and, and um, well, let me ask you this how, how did you uh, go ahead I think we're about to okay. think of the same thing what did- say the same what would you think of his dialogue to Krennic when he says, I hope you don't choke on your aspirations? Right, right. Okay. Yeah, I was about to, <laughs> I was about to uh, say that. Um, it's funny, and it should be funny. Um, it kind of reminded me of um, episode seven where um, uh, Ray and Finn escape with the, uh, the Millennium oh. Falcon, and uh, that guy has to go up to... Um, uh, oh, oh my god, blame it on <laughs> Kylo Ren. <laughs> he has to go up to Kylo Ren and he has to be like, um, uh, sir, I'm sorry, but uh, the girl got away and, uh, or the, the, the droid got away. And then he says something to the effect of, you're telling me a BB unit yeah. piloted <laughs> a freighter. <laughs> it it kind of has that same feel to it. I don't know what. That scene to me is so funny, and and when he lets loose on that computer thing, and and he he pauses, and he takes a breath, and he says, "Is there yeah. anything else?" <laughs> it, it's just like the funniest scene, and um, for Vader, it works. To, to to me, that that line works. I know a lot of people didn't like it, but uh, it it works for me. I totally agree. Yeah, I loved it. I don't get the criticism for it because this isn't the first time we've heard Vader make quips like that I mean the thing that came to my mind is right. apology accepted Captain Nita I mean he has little funny quips yeah. like that before Unless people think it's out of character yeah. like it doesn't make him as scary or fury or fear as feared as he should be like no, no it doesn't <laughs> it's perfectly fine it's within the character yeah. I loved it yeah and I I heard um, I mean I don't know if this is true and I don't know who I heard it from but um, that scene in A New Hope, uh, in the boardroom. Uh, yeah. There's an empty uh-huh. chair there. That's supposed to be Krennic's I saw chair. that. Someone point that out on Twitter, too. Like, that's awesome. Yeah. Where, you know, of course, wasn't intentional back then, but it, it lines up perfectly now <laughs> when you watch A New Hope. Right, yeah, right. I saw that, too. I thought that was pretty cool. But is that, is, is that really supposed to be I don't be know if there's Krennic's been an chair? official word on it yet, but until other... Yeah. It's like they, someone says otherwise, I'm viewing it as, as Krennic's chair. It makes sense. <laughs> I mean... Yeah. Yeah, exactly, works out so yeah. perfectly. To me, it'd be stupid <laughs> if they don't say that. It is. I mean, why wouldn't they? <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. So overall, I guess. How many times have you seen Rogue One now, though? Okay, uh, cool. three times. 
Let's I'm at the four. Times. I want to try to make it five before its run goes out of the theater. But uh, yeah. seeing it three times now, what would be your score for? Hmm. Because three and a half seems kind of low, I'm going to say four mm-hmm. out of five. Yeah. I'm, it, it was a great movie. It has its flaws. Um, I think it was marketed the wrong way. Uh, I think I think it's more of an adventure. I can go on a whole thing about the war. <laughs> yeah, I think it's more of an adventure film than a war film. How, how it was yeah. promoted, um, but I I think what they did with this movie and the, and the fact that they can make a movie that isn't going to be franchised, isn't going to be you know I mean it's part of a franchise, but it's not going to be as big as Episode Seven. It's not going to be as big as the prequels or the original trilogy it's going to be something more like rebels it's going to be like rebels or it's going to be like you know these small little uh novels star Star wars novels that you know we always see it's it's not going to be this big movie it's going to be this small movie that has one aim and i think it i i think they hit the mark I think they they definitely got their point. Across. Yeah, it'll have its own unique place in the Star Wars uh, mythology, where you know, like you said, there's not going to be a yeah. sequel to the movie or anything. You might learn more about the characters and their histories, but Rogue One is going to stand alone in its place. You know, right where it should be, by uh, leading up perfectly into a new hope. So, yeah, I'm kind of with you on the same score. I'm going to give it four out of five too. I've definitely come to love it now because when I first saw it. I was like, man, this is really, really good. But I'm just not fully in love with it as a Star Wars movie right now. But I've come to that like pretty much after the second viewing. It kind of clicked better for me. It was like, yeah, this is great. I love it. I just love Star Wars. That's the big thing where yeah. after I see it, I take away. This mythology is just so great. You could do stories like this and just have it connected with all these great characters we already know and love. So it's just it's great. So, yeah, Rogue One definitely delivered. And now on to Episode Eight. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and I, I definitely say see it twice, um, see it three times, see it four times because it it's just one of those movies that 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 gets better the more that you see it because it's not it's it it's not episode seven where you know it's it's this big movie and there's a lot going on and it's fun it's it's more of a it it it's almost like an indie movie in the sense where it's just about this one thing and it doesn't it doesn't have that feeling where it's gonna connect i mean it does but it doesn't have that feeling where it's gonna connect to all of this other sort of stuff that's that's going on in the star wars universe at the same time it's it's about Jin. it's about cassian it's about the rebels the the rebel alliance it's about you know this small story yeah, it's, it's where you could just not, for someone who's not too big on Star Wars or just a casual moviegoer can just walk right into it and get enjoyment out of it. Right. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think this is confirmation that um, you know, people do want more Star Wars. They, they love Star Wars. And I think with this movie, I think Lucasfilm definitely um, proves that there is a pe- people want to yep. see this stuff. And um, it, it, it's just confirmation that you know Star Wars is going strong because it is a smaller movie. It's a different kind of movie. It's not 
I mean, it's almost not even a Star Wars movie. I mean, it, it, besides the fact that there, there's Darth Vader in there, there's Princess Leia, there's Tarkin, there's you know the the Death Star. Um, it's it, it's almost not even a, a Star Wars. It's movie. a Star Wars story. So, <laughs> The Star Wars anthology. Uh, that's what it should be called. <laughs> and, yeah, and I, I think this paves the way for the the other anthology films, like uh, the, the Han Solo one or the the uh, rumored Boba Fett one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, if if it, if those if those movies are going to be like this one, then uh, it's definitely going to be a yeah. I think it's definitely a win. A, a great thing. Uh, Totally yeah. agree. Definitely a win that Lucasfilm was hoping for with doing a Star Wars movie that doesn't focus on the Skywalker saga. So, yeah, right. <laughs> it definitely succeeded on that front. All right, so yeah, that's our Rogue One review after almost a month since it came out, but <laughs> I'm glad we got it out there. And we can go ahead and transition, I guess, to the video game front now. With my most anticipated game from 2016 was Final Fantasy 15, and I know. Dane, you were, I think on the last episode, you were kind of on the fence if you were going to get it or not, and you did get it. So yeah. I beat the game last week, and I okay. guess I'm not going to give any spoilers for you, obviously, but I yeah. love this game. I mean, I've been a Final Fantasy fan for a while. I've played all of the main entries except two. That's the only one I haven't played, and I eventually still want to go back and play Final Fantasy two. But this game... It's a Final Fantasy experience I haven't enjoyed since probably 10. 12 was good, good story. Didn't necessarily like the gameplay mechanics of it. 13, I really didn't like the characters, and I thought the story was kind of forgettable. The main character, Lightning, was the only one I really liked. But like I said, the story, I can't remember exactly what the main villain was or the main goal for it. But So that one was kind of forgettable for me, so... Final Fantasy 15 brought back that Final Fantasy experience I was hoping for. I just loved it. The once you get, there are some complaints I've had with it as far as the pacing goes because the story-wise, it doesn't get going until the very end, and it just takes you all the way to the end. It's because in the middle, in the beginning, in the middle, you have it's an open world game. You do a bunch of side quests. I would have liked it if story elements were spread out a little more evenly throughout the beginning and the middle of it, but. Other than that, it was a great experience. The story is really good. It creates a great mythology for this iteration of Final Fantasy with the summons and well, you'll find out when you get to it. But I just like the mythology it created with the characters and the world and the universe. And gameplay wise, I loved how it was more action oriented, not you know turn based or active time battle system that most Final Fantasy games are accustomed to. Uh, but it worked. It was simple, but yet it was fun too. I never felt too bored doing the battles against these monsters or enemies but it was simple it wasn't over complicated we got to do these combos or create these like different uses of your magic power or customization or any of that there is a little bit of that but i felt it was just nice where it wasn't you know didn't feel overwhelming like some rpgs can but it was just nice and simple but yet addictive so and the characters i really got invested with the four main characters which was kind of something for this Final Fantasy was a little different too where you're pretty much stuck with the four characters throughout the whole course of the game because in other games you start out with a few you meet some new characters on your journey who will join your party you might lose some but then gain some new ones but this one you're just stuck with these four characters throughout the course of the game and I felt that was a smart move because you really for me anyway I got invested with them with some of their just dialogue as you're riding in the car as you're fighting enemies it just 
little cutscenes you get with them when you're at camp. And by the time you got to the end of the game, it's like, man, like, and when you're finished with it, like, man, I kind of miss the interaction with these characters. <laughs> you really get invested with them. At least I did. So there's some great moments coming on later on in the game that I think will you'll see what I'm talking about being that adds to that. So overall, I was really, really happy with it. Like I said, I haven't felt this excited about a Final Fantasy game since 10, which came out in 2001. So <laughs> it's been a long time for me to be this yeah. excited for it. So I loved it. And I know you got a yeah. ways to go, Dane, but what are you thinking about it? First of all, I'm glad you got it, so <laughs> that you're experiencing it. Yeah. What are you thinking so far? Yeah, so I I ended up buying it um, because uh, the, the, the PSN was having a sale, and it was half off, I think. Um, but I bought it, um, and while it was downloading, I downloaded the... the uh, or, or I bought the movie, um, the, oh, the yeah, prequel King's movie. Life. I got to say... And thank you for recommending. I was going to watch it anyway yeah. after I beat it, but you kind of told me, no, you should probably watch it now <laughs> or before it. And I'm so glad yeah. I did because there's stuff later on in the game that ties into it that I, I wouldn't know what they were talking about if I didn't see it. So thank you for that. And the movie was awesome too. It was really, really good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, I think it has something like a 13 on Rotten what? Tomatoes really? right now. Oh, man. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's pretty down there, but, um, it, it it definitely sets up the story really really well, and I think that was part of the problem, uh, especially in the beginning, the the very very beginning of the game. I mean, the the first time you get to control your character, you're pushing a car <laughs> because your car broke down. And I've played other RPGs. I played Skyrim. I've played um, uh, Dragon Age. Uh, Inquisition, and to me, the problem with uh, Final Fantasy is the side quests because you need you really need to do it. Yeah, you do. And uh, to 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 get XP and stuff, it's how it doesn't feel like it has anything to do with what's going on, especially with the princess. Um, the the entire story overall, you know. Um, it, it, it just feels like you don't. It, it, this is just one little thing. I mean, like one of the side quests, you're looking for frogs. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know if that has to do anything with anything in the the, the story or the game or no, whatever. But <laughs> it just feels like it's yeah. It just feels like it's in it's inconsequential. Whereas you know, games like Skyrim or Dragon Age, you know. It, you have these side quests, and they, they tell you... I mean, it, it, it's just your normal fetch quest where you just go there and get the thing and you come back. But it it has meaning. Um, maybe not to the entire story, but for, for that region and for, you know, what you're doing in that, in that region at that time, it... It has an effect where it feels like you're doing something, not like uh, Final Fantasy, where it's just like, okay, I gotta go catch these frogs and give it to this lady, and she's gonna do some research on the frogs. And oh, she has another one where I have to go get some green frogs now. You know, it's it's 
it's these side quests and it's you know it's filling up the car <laughs> and driving to these places i mean it's yeah, see i like it, that it, actually, it, it, actually. It gets, i know it could be a little tedious but you get to listen to classic yeah. final fantasy music some I'm just taking over right, the right. graphics of the and series I, so i enjoyed it but i know where you're coming from though <laughs> Yeah, and I I think you have. To, I mean, this is this is like the second or third Final Fantasy I've played. I've played seven. I've played ten, and and this is the uh, this is the third one. And I think you just have to be a fan of the series because for me, who's not really a fan of the series, it's I'm not gonna lie to him. It gets kind of boring. <laughs> I take it you do a lot of the because, I mean, we have to pay ten gil <laughs> just to make it their quest. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do that. Or if I have to, um, if I have to actually go there in real time, I I just go on Twitter <laughs> because it's, it's so boring. It's uh, it's it's like you're just driving, like like you're stuck in traffic and you're driving. You know, it's like oh my god, like, where's that story that I saw in Kings of Wave? It's you, coming. You know, I, I, I think that. <laughs> And I think that that was part part of the problem for me. I think I expected more story from Kingsglaive because you know there's this huge story going on. There's a lot going. There's a lot of moving parts. Um, but you play the game, and it's it's kind of like you have nothing to do with that. I mean, your character is in that movie, and the the movie is about your family, uh, but. It almost the, the game almost feels like it's one of those games where you, you're not even connected to the, to the story, and I guess somehow along the way you get connected to the, to the story. You know, it, it kind of feels like like if Star Wars uh, or if A New Hope never got past um, Tatooine. Hmm. Yeah, that, that kind of that's kind of what it feels like to me. Um, it, it, it never got past. You know, Luke being a moisture farmer. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Those are all valid criticisms that I could see you having problems with. But yeah. like I said, I since I enjoyed the combat and the characters, I was able to post through those. And I just like building my characters up as much as I can before I go on with the story. So maybe I'm used to it. But those are totally valid criticisms where it kind of goes to my point where yeah. I was saying I wish more story elements were paced better and more like in the beginning and the middle of it instead of just all at the end because like I said again once it gets going it really gets going and then you'll start to see those connections to Kingsglaive you just like you said have to make it through some of those side quests and you don't I did all of them but I, you don't definitely yeah. don't have to do all of them just to beat the game and make it through the story yet. yeah but the thing about that is if you don't do that you're really under leveled for what you're doing you not if you, you don't know, do you all of them. If you do the a good portion of them, you'll be at a good level. Because like I said, the main story aspects and bosses at the end, there aren't super overpowered where you'll just be dead. If you are if you balance it out pretty good, do a good amount, you'll be able to go through just fine. You don't have to make sure like you do every single one. Yeah, yeah but it's it's the thing where I don't want to be underleveled. Because I fought this, this boss and I was really, really underleveled. I think uh, I was level twelve at the time, and he was level twenty-two. Okay, that's pretty, that is so, underleveled, yeah. Yeah, so I don't want to be underleveled, and it's the whole thing with the food and you know having to camp all the time, um, not only in hotel rooms and stuff, but 
you know, going out to campsites and stuff and making sure you have enough ingredients <laughs> to make food and stuff like that. It's it it it's it's these little things that that it just not irritate me as frustrate me. You know, it's like, oh, okay, I guess I had a rest. Well, and then, you the know, my... You don't my ex- necessarily have to. I mean, the food just boosts up your stats if you want. They do help for boss battles, that's for sure. But it's not like you have to go to camp or have to stay at a hotel. If you don't, you can keep progressing with the game and play at night, even though things are a little harder at night with some of the monsters that come out. But yeah. it's not this is something where, like, you have to, like, you have to do this. Yeah, but... I don't know. I mean, that being said, I do feel that the the combat is what keeps me coming back uh, to this game because I, to me the combat is is great. I like doing the comp. I mean, there's the, small combos, especially with the um, how you can tell your guys yeah, to do their special good. moves, um, and it, it's it's all about timing, and that, I I like that and timing your blocks so you can counter. I like doing all of that. To to me, the fighting is 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 really really good in this game. But it's everything else. It seems at this point, it's it's how the characters kind of monologue about nothing I mean, for like five minutes. Um, especially when I got to um, uh, now I forget the, the the name of the city. Oh, Lestalum. Yeah, Lestalum, and they're going on about something and. It's it's kind of like, uh, I mean, where's the story in Kingsglaive? <laughs> where's all the cool stuff that was in Kingsglaive? You know, it's, it's just yeah, one of those things. It's, I know? promise you, was there. You just gotta make it. <laughs> you just gotta progress to that moment. Yeah. So, hopefully, you'll still pro- persevere through those noises of the game that you're fighting, and just make it to the point in the story where you could just, you know. Because, like I said, once you get to chapter nine, I believe that's when it's kind of all just story based stuff, and hopefully you'll just kind of go ease, breeze right through that stuff and get immersed into it as like as much as I did. Because man, that ending I really liked it yeah. stuck with me for a few days where I kept thinking about it how it ended. So hopefully you'll have that same feeling. Yeah, that's what I'm hoping for. <laughs> yeah, and I'm definitely gonna beat it because I like the story in Kings of the Lave. Um and I'm not going to cheat and go to, you know, Wikipedia or <laughs> YouTube, uh, really. <laughs> YouTube or anything uh, because I, I I have to beat it. I mean, that's a, that's why I don't know how Arkham Origins <laughs> ends because I still haven't I still haven't uh, beaten it because I got it on PC and there was that bug. So to check to see. Oh, I know. PS4 is not backwards compatible, so I was thinking, <laughs> see how much it yeah. is right now. So it's probably real cheap to play it, but yeah, never mind. <laughs> I'm I'm sticking with it, Tim. Good. Uh, hopefully, it's 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 worth it. And from what everybody says, you and I have another friend that's beat it. Uh, he, in fact, he beat it twice uh, before I even got past the fourth <laughs> nice. chapter. <laughs> um, and he says definitely continue with it. So. I'm gonna stick with it, Tim. Glad to hear it. So, hope I just hope you have the same investment, and in, like by the time you get to the end that I did, because I, I felt it was really good. So, hopefully, you'll feel the same way. Yep. We will see, Tim. We will see. <laughs> but a game I think we both can agree on that we thought was awesome, at least up until chapter three. We'll see where we are on the next 
four episodes or two right. episodes of four and five is Batman the Telltale series. Yep, that was the, probably the only other big game I played the the course of the month since our last episode was uh, the, the last. Well, because the, I played the fourth one, but you didn't play it yet by the time our last episode. So the fifth one was the only one that came out in yeah. December. So, but yeah, can I say something yeah, right here, it. Tim? Um, if if you like the Batman series, um, play The Walking Dead season three okay. that just came out. Uh, the first two episodes came out. Uh, it's definitely worth your time. If you like uh, a, a great story, you don't have to know anything about the first or the second season. Besides, there's zombies. Yeah, definitely. If you like a great story, play okay, that well, one. I still got to play the Wolf Among Us because I got that one as a free like Xbox Live Gold Month arcade game. So. Yeah, that one isn't too oh, okay. great. <laughs> the concept sounds yeah. good. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's not too good. Uh, definitely the Game of Thrones. Yeah, one I, is I played that good. one earlier this year, which is cool. Mm, yeah. Oh, you did. Oh. Which kind of had a depressing oh, I... ending, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. At least with the choices I made. Yeah, <laughs> Maybe if I made different ones. But... <laughs> um, but yeah, definitely the Walking Dead season okay, three. Okay, that in mind. Yeah. So yeah, Batman: The Telltale Series episodes four and five. I man, again, just over oh, now. I can finally say I love this first season as a whole. I thought these last two episodes were great, wrapped up the story nicely. And for episode four, I mean, before the big thing about it was the Joker making his appearance in that episode, and I was wondering how it was going to play out. It was something that I felt was a good concept and it was neat to see him but kind of felt unnecessary within the story they were telling here part of me thinks maybe it would have been nice if they saved him for the second season because at the end of season 5 or episode 5 they definitely tease he's going to be <laughs> probably the main bad guy in the next season if they do one but right. it was still cool though the whole thing of Bruce and Arkham was a neat dynamic and even having Joker there kind of being his best buddy <laughs> it was such a weird a different concept but yet it worked so it was cool just I don't know it felt like they had to put the Joker in for the first one when maybe they didn't need to but my probably my favorite aspect of the fourth episode and maybe one of my favorites of the game was okay oh, yeah. can I say something yeah, quick about the Joker yeah I, I I think it was because Joker was a footnote you know he, he wasn't the main big villain he, he wasn't up to anything he was just a patient in Arkham. And what I liked about it, I mean, I mean that's what I liked about it. And um, it seems like it's really early in uh, Batman and Joker's oh, history. Yes, definitely. Because, yeah, Bruce doesn't really seem to know who he is at that point. So I, I definitely like that, that aspect of it. Yeah, too. it definitely creates what good Joker origin story should where there's lots of mystery with him where you're questioning like why is he like because you don't even know if Batman did that to him as far as dumping him or falling into the chemicals and bleaching his skin so we don't even know if that's an aspect of this version of Batman's history so there's still all those questions there which you know makes for good Joker stories when there's lots of mystery to it but my, one of my favorite aspects like I was saying even maybe of the whole season was when Batman goes to investigate the murder scene of Vicky's foster parents and he's investigating there, and then he finds, you know, hears that noise, and he finds that little kid that's just hiding in the closet. Was one of the, there was one of the kids that Vicky Vale's parents adopted, 
and just the conversation that Batman has there, and that they're your choices again, putting you in Batman's shoes, giving you the opportunity to be Batman, which is a big reason why I love this game, and just doing that with this young kid who's scared, and you're there to comfort him. And I've said this before; I always love it when Batman shows that you know softer, compassionate side of him when it comes to children in danger who have been been through so much like he was as a little boy it's always stuff i love seeing the batman and this one captured that really good here where that little kid helps him or batman helps him but then when those droids those drones attack from cobblepot the kid uh is able to help batman in a situation too there and it couldn't help me but think are they planting little seeds here for maybe this could be this <laughs> version of batman's robin later down the line it's a kid who lost his foster parents who knows about his real parents so i don't know i hope Part of me wanted to see maybe the seeds be planted for this kid becoming Robin, but I just love that whole dynamic with that. And then I couldn't tell you how satisfying it was to have that fight with Oswald's Cobblepot at the end and just pummel him and give him the beating that he deserved for everything that he put you through. So, yeah, four I thought was another great chapter, and it definitely left me hanging for what's to come in chapter five or episode five. But the decision I made to go against Cobblepot and then you see Two-Face burning Wayne Manor so before I got to play episode 5 it was definitely a cliffhanger ending that maybe can't wait to finish it yeah you see I don't know if uh, for me it, it, it was when I played it um, but I, I I felt that this uh, episode 4 was a bit of filler I didn't think it was as good as uh, the, the first three or the fifth one. Uh, I just felt that it was, I mean, especially like the stuff in Arkham where it's kind of, you're just walking around. Um, you're, you're, you're literally walking around, um, in a cutscene and you, you don't have any choice as to, um, I don't want to listen to this. Right. Uh, it, it, it it's, I don't know. Like the, I, I felt besides the Joker stuff, the, the Arkham stuff, uh, just didn't really bring a register with me. I just felt that it was, I don't know, c- kind of like, okay, let's get back to the main Batman story. Let's go because uh, it ends up not being that big of a thing because yeah, you just get released at the end. So I just felt that it was, it kind of went on for a little bit and I was kind of more like, okay, let's get back to, you know, Seeing what the what, what what Penguin is up to and uh, Two Face and uh, Lady Arkham and stuff like that. Yeah, I, I could definitely see that and pretty much agree with you too. As far as it kind of just being something that I don't know if you want to call it filler or just a, a detour for the main story, but I won't complain and say that it wasn't. I won't say it wasn't fun. That's for sure. <laughs> it was definitely cool to experience that. But yeah, yeah, so, yeah. I mean, it was all fun. I mean, I mean, don't. Don't get sure. me wrong, and it, it does have a little bit of of, of story in it, especially with um, uh, Vicky Vale. But I just wish there was a little bit more. Um, th- there was that stuff. In the, was that in episode four? The the um, the stuff with uh, Two Face at, at no, uh, Wayne Manor. Actually, yeah. oh okay. Well, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I, I I just thought that there should have been more. I hear you. There. But I guess before we go on to our thoughts on episode five, we can do our decision comparison for episode four. So uh, I got these ones up. So I'll ask you, Dane. Um, did you deny Joker a favor in return for his help in Arkham? Yeah, I did. 
I, I just want wanted nothing to do with <laughs> yeah, me too. You, me, and fifty one percent of other players. <laughs> oh, good. Now, did you choose to stop the fight instead of uh, taking Joker's advice to make a call and get out of Arkham? Yeah, I did. I chose to fight. Me too. I mean, how how can you not? That Batman instinct and Bruce to help <laughs> someone in need. Like you have to go and stop that fight. So yeah, but not many people did. Yeah, plus thirty three percent only. And plus, too, like I said, I didn't. I didn't want anything to do with exactly. Joker. Exactly. So. I am curious what that call would have done, though. If it would have done anything different, or like we have to owe Joker something. I don't know. Maybe you got yeah. caught or something. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and did you ram the barricade at Harvey Security Checkpoint? Hmm. Let me. Let me think. Uh, yeah, I did. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I, and again, that was one of those choices. Kind of like you know, am I doing the right thing here? Am I, you know, sh- should I just go through the the blockade? Yeah, it was almost like you had to do it. <laughs> All those people were around you. Yeah. There's only one place to go was straight. Right, right. <laughs> and did you choose to talk to Harvey on a personal level instead of threatening him as Batman? Yeah, personal. Yep, me too. Personal level. Felt that you yeah. know, going back to their history as Bruce and Harvey, maybe he can reach him one more time. But he did it. <laughs> Played out. Yeah. And for the last decision, did you choose to stop Oswald from destroying your tech, or risk, or have Harvey destroy your home? Like, which one did you go after? Oh, the first one. Yep. The first one because it's Wayne Manor. So if you so you went to stop no. or confront no. Two Face. Wait, wait, wait. Am I getting Maybe, because the last, at the end of Chapter 4, it's where you can either go to stop Oswald from messing with your tech because he kind of took over it, like, almost like Batman Returns, or you, you get, you hear yeah. Two-Face is marching on Wayne Manor, so you can only go to one. Oh, uh, Two-Face. I did the oh, Two-Face okay. thing. See, I yeah, did yeah. Oswald, as I mentioned, it was how fun it was beating him up <laughs> because I figured if he has control of this tech of Batman's and who knows how much damage he could do to Gotham City so that was the main priority Wayne Manor yeah it's Wayne Bruce's home but it's not going to hurt anyone else but him so that's why I chose to stop Oswald and deal with Harvey later so maybe you did stuff that I did in episode 5 <laughs> in episode 4 <laughs> now I'm curious so yeah because I could have swore it was in in uh, episode 4 because you're Batman and um him and a bunch of his henchmen show up. They they, they burst through the door, and he gets arrested. Okay, yeah. Her. So all that happened for me in episode five at the beginning, because it's like in the daytime he has hostages. That's the part where I was in there as Bruce, and I had to kind of talk to him to start to keep him from not killing any hostages. Is that how it played out for you? Really? Oh, no. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, I was definitely Batman. So what was the first thing you did when episode five started? If you remember, uh, did, how, how did it start for you? Confronting Two Face in Wayne Manor. So, did you have to go after Oswald? Yeah, yeah. In in the park. Okay, yeah. So yeah. You do that. Yeah, yeah. That that was one of the first things I did because he is working for Lady Arkham, and most of the episode was about Lady yeah. Arkham. <laughs> so, yeah. See, there's a, probably our biggest difference that we've had <laughs> in our experience playing the game. <laughs> if I'm remembering it correctly, because it's been a while sure, since yeah. I played it. <laughs> but 
But yeah. it does. It is kind of lining up now about how it would play out. It makes sense if you started with Oswald and I started with Two Face, since we chose the opposite at the end of the fourth episode. So, <laughs> but, yeah. see, this is what makes this game great when you have big differences like this, depending on the decision you made. So that's cool. But what did you think of yeah, episode so- five overall? And just how it wrapped up the first season. I thought it was good. Um, I felt that the Lady Arkham thing at the end uh, in that under the the underground uh, uh, what is that called the the, the, the underground yeah. of Arkham Asylum. Um, I felt that was a bit anticlimactic, but I think again, like every great Batman uh, game story, whatever, it's about your relationship with Alfred. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right. Because I, I, I felt that that was done really well, and especially uh, on that last conversation you have with him. Totally agree, yep. <laughs> I'm pretty much in agreement with you. Where the fight, it was a cool fight to play through, but a little bit predictable of how the fight was going to end with Lady Arkham. It was, uh, wasn't too big a shock, but the stuff with Alfred made it too, and the big decision you had to make <laughs> before you start that fight. When, <laughs> well, I guess we'll get to when really got our choices for that but yeah overall yeah. i thought it wrapped up the season in a nice way and all the loose ends were tied up you got a little tease with i liked that at the end with the joker we're just sitting at a bar just like they haven't seen anything yet <laughs> almost like the batman 89 line where like where do they get a load of me so how did he get out of arkham like was he just pretending to be in arkham this whole time so questions like that i can't wait to find out about the joker so right. yeah, overall i just love this game of death like couldn't be more happy with it i was excited going into it but it blew away my expectations so yeah i can easily say this in final fantasy 15 were my highlights in the video games this year and uh, it was a great way to pass the time this last month so definitely some great gameplay for me anyway but this batman game yeah they knocked it out of the park with this the telltale did so i can't wait and hopefully we do get a second season yeah and what telltale does really good is how they release these episodes because you're never without one, it seems. Yeah, they come at a great pace. It doesn't seem like it's taking forever, and it's not like a week after yeah. where you don't have time <laughs> to digest and take in from right. the last experience you just had. Um, so are, are, are we ready for yep, uh, the questions? For episode five. Okay. All right, episode five. So uh, did you successfully distract Penguin? Um See, I can't answer that because uh, <laughs> I didn't have to face Penguin. Really? I will s- Oh, I wow. will say, I guess, I convinced Two-Face from not executing any hostages that, that he already did before he got there. So I was successful with that. <laughs> no. Oh, okay. Um, well, I did. <laughs> and 77.2% did. Uh, did you blame Alfred for his involvement with well, of course Thomas Wayne? How can I blame Alfred? Yeah. Uh, 60, 679 did. Really? Wow. Yeah. Or, so, yeah, sorry, still, that's still sorry. almost forty percent. I did blame him. Yeah. Really, twenty-eight <laughs> um, told Alfred it doesn't matter whose fault it was, only fixing the problem. Two percent blamed Alfred for not doing enough to stop Thomas Wayne. <laughs> Two point one didn't say anything when Alfred blamed Man, himself. Really, these Stone Cold Batman <laughs> versions out there with these players. Um, how, how did you respond to Selena? Uh, you, you know, when you confront her, uh, 
uh, on that road. Uh, what was the choice of the... I... Man, I'm trying to remember. What I, we left on good terms, I know that. So. Uh, I think it was More Than a Thief. Yeah, uh, there's more to you than that or something like that. She's just a regular thief. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, is that where like you're, that. there's more to you than just being a thief? Oh, that's it. Okay, yeah, right. I, that's what I said. Yeah, uh, so did I, more than a thief. Uh, and 91.3% did. 8.7% didn't. <laughs> um, the fourth one is, uh, did you take off the call? Ah, the big one. <laughs> yes, I did. Yeah. I unmasked myself because you had to do it yeah. for Alfred. He was screaming at you, telling you not to do it, but how can you not when Alfred's life's on the line? It was it was a no-brainer to me. I didn't have any qualms about showing Vicky who Batman really was. Yeah, so did I. Um, 72.9% did. 27.1% didn't. And I'm wondering if that's going to have an effect on Season 2, if you took off the cowl. Yeah, good point. Maybe Vicky Vale is still around. Um... And the final one is, did you attend Gordon's address as Batman or as Bruce? I attended as Batman. Yeah, yep. so did I. 40.3% uh, 40, 40. did. 59.7% as Bruce. Mm, that's interesting because there was definitely good reasons for both. I felt, you know, Batman and Gordon's relationship just yeah. getting started. You had to, you know, have that relationship grow to what we know it is later on and just, you know, have Batman be out there as the symbol for Gotham that we know he is too so I felt going as Batman was the right choice and good yeah, thing too because that uh, truck came I mean, <laughs> rolling through that press conference <laughs> yeah not only that it's uh, it's, it, it's the fact that you know uh, you know Bruce's father Thomas and what he did and I didn't think that would be good you know for the people to see that uh, Bruce Wayne backs Commissioner Good Gordon. Point. I thought that was bad for Gordon. Yeah, I guess we should say too. I mean, they didn't change the idea that Thomas Wayne was pretty much a bad guy <laughs> throughout the story. I thought yeah. there was going to be something that cleared his name, but they went all for it. It's a different take, not an aspect of Thomas Wayne that's going to be my favorite. But in the course of the story, I thought it worked out <laughs> really well, and just a new dynamic for Batman that they created for this version in this in this game so I'll, overall it worked well it's not going to be my favorite like I said I thought it played perfectly for this game and the story they're trying to tell so kudos for them for doing something different and sticking with it too yeah definitely sticking with it because I think they put themselves in such a position where they, they couldn't go back and be like oh you know they, 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 they couldn't introduce any actually. other story <laughs> element where yeah yeah it was Clayface and you know, apparently Clayface was yeah. there back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like uh, Gotham. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like all of, all of the Pretty villains. Much, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, I guess as a score for the whole five episodes of the season of the Telltale Batman game, what would you give it? Um, same thing I gave Rogue One. I'm going to give it a four out of five. See, I'm going all in five out of five for me. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so, so, so better than the Arkham game? Uh, see, that's a, a few of them. Yeah, I just love the experience I had with it. So it's totally different gameplay wise, but it drew me in like few Batman games ever did. 
it's up there with Arkham. I don't know if it's going to surpass it as the best Batman game for me that Arkham Asylum currently has for me, but it's up there. I loved it so much. I was so immersed with it. I love being in Batman's shoes and Bruce's shoes and making those decisions. It was just such a cool feeling. It was a big lifetime Batman fan to have. You know, it's a Batman experience I never had before, and I thought I did a great job of, you know, delivering that. So, yeah, five out of five. Yeah, I mean, especially some of the choices like that that one I just mentioned about yeah. taking off the call. And I, I wasn't sure if I should, but, it, it, you know, Alfred was right there, and, you know, I, I didn't know what, what was going to happen with Alfred. Um, but then again, I didn't really know how it was going to affect, you know, season two. Is that going to come back in season two? Uh, it's just some of the choices they, they, they have. Especially made. in episode two where you had to choose between Selena and Harvey, and that's what makes it become stupid. Like, that was a big <laughs> one. <laughs> At least for me, where I'm yeah. like, oh, man, I got to think about this real quick. <laughs> yeah. For me, it was Selena because, I mean, Harvey is going to turn into Two-Face. Yeah. That's, that's, right? that's the realization so. I came to and save Selena. So. <laughs> 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 but yeah, man, couldn't be happy with this game. So, yeah, so I guess that's we're caught up now on what we were up to this past month during our break. Star Wars, Final Fantasy, and Batman. <laughs> that's where we're dominating our time. So. It's not a bad no, combination. I will definitely agree to that. Star Wars, Batman, Final Fantasy. That's for sure. So, yeah, so yeah. I guess for our next episode, plan on we're going to do our look back in the year of Batman in 2016. We'll. we'll give our annual favorites of like comics Batman moments and stuff so but a little teaser I think the Telltale game might be in a few of my picks so <laughs> look forward to that in our next episode but with that Definitely. we can go into just a few news items that happened the last few weeks um, the first one that's pretty recent is the new Batman and Flash team up comic is just announced I mean, it was yesterday or Thursday just called the button and it's finally going to start leaning more towards the Watchmen connection into the whole DC rebirth universe so and it's being written by Tom King and uh, the writer who's uh, the Flash which I believe is Joshua Williamson if I remember right yeah so part of me is like you know what I said it here before I haven't been the biggest fan of Tom King's Batman but I'm still plenty darn excited for this story. First off, because I've said this when I first read Rebirth when we reviewed how it made me want to flash Batman to the story because they just work so good together and they're trying to solve this mystery. And the fact that we're going to get, yeah, it's like, couldn't have asked for more than that. Uh, but so, yeah, I'm excited for it. It's an event that's uh, going to come out later this year. Uh, trying to look to see if what the actual date was, but maybe I'm just missing it right now. But sometime this year, that's for sure. But I'm just glad we're finally getting more into the Watchmen connection, which I'm sure is going to be a big event. They'll announce sometime later this year what Dr. Manhattan will probably make himself known. But to get a Flash Batman team-up story that leads us there, I'm all for it. So I can't wait to check that out. Yeah, you see, I don't... This is one part of the uh, rebirth that I don't like, is their connection to Watchmen. I mean, I know that I, I know she's trying to bring Watchmen into the DC stuff. Um, we had those single issues. I think it was last year or maybe the year before that with you know each individual issue, each before individual Watchmen, character. But know, yeah, but, yeah, the before Watchmen. Yeah. Oh really? Oh. Um, but this is one aspect of I guess the DC universe and and uh, the rebirth that I don't like. Uh, Watchmen is. It's it's a great book if you if you haven't read it. Um, it's definitely one of the best comics ever made. Uh, 
I just don't know that those characters will will work in the DC universe. I just don't think see, it will. I think um, they're going to be careful. At least I hope so. Where they're not bringing all these characters, where where it's just mainly Doctor Manhattan. You'll see, and maybe Ozzy Mandez yeah. or something like that. Because I don't I have a hard time thinking they're going to see all of them in there, but. While there may be some connections, because you know Doctor Manhattan has been messing with the DC universe, it, maybe he'll just be the focus on it, so where it won't be you know too much of all the characters interacting with each other. But I don't know. Maybe I'm just uh, you know, I I just like watching too much <laughs> because Doctor Manhattan, you know, he's not he, he he's not you know a superhero type. He's more of a guy that just kind of fell into yeah. it and he doesn't even like it you know he doesn't even like the fact that you know he's this person you know he he just kind of felt fell into it and I, I i just don't think it's it's really good for watchmen um as a comic book and the dc universe yeah see I, i'm actually excited for it because i love the aspect that you know while he was came back saying there's like 10 years missing from our history like what happened to it, and I like how it makes sense that the only being possible who would be to do that is Doctor Manhattan from uh, continuity or universe that before you know was it connected to the DC universe. So I kind of like how it's that outside power messing with the overall DC yeah. universe. So again, we got to see how it all plays out, but I'm still pretty excited for it. And I did see the release for this crossover miniseries, The Button. It's coming out this April, so not too long of a wait, but I'm excited for it. And it seems like they can't get uh, Alan Moore movies right. See, I really right? like the Watchmen movie. Uh, you, but, mm. Oh, you did? Uh, I, I I didn't really like it. Um, v for Vendetta. I haven't I seen it. Like, <laughs> okay. yeah, you don't. <laughs> I kind of hear mixed things about that. I hear some people who say it's good, um, some who don't. So I don't know. <laughs> well, I guess it has its fans. But, but isn't the League um, of Extraordinary Gentlemen the best one out of them all? <laughs> <laughs> Did you ever did you ever hear the story about why uh, Sean Connery did that movie? I, I want to say I have, but right now I'm not remembering exactly why. <laughs> yeah. Because um, he passed over Gandalf in uh, Lord of the Rings, and of course, Lord of the Rings became this big thing, and you know people still talk about it and love it today. So, I guess he got he. he he received the 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 uh, League of Extraordinary Men uh, script, and he was like, "You know what? I'm going to do this one because it's a comic book. People love this stuff." And oh, he picked we wrong. Definitely did. <laughs> wow! Okay, see, I don't. I didn't remember that. Oh man! Yeah. So so that movie was bad, and uh, of course, From Hell was bad. <laughs> that was a bad movie. Uh, it was a great comic book, but it was just a bad movie. <laughs> Even though you're not a big fan of it, would you at least say Watchmen is the best of the Alan Moore comic spots of live action? Uh, y- <laughs> mm. Definitely not Leo Extraordinary Man or uh, From Hell. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'd probably say Watchmen. Well, at least that. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, it's it's pretty much the story of Watchmen. They didn't try to change anything. Except the squid monster. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Except the squid monster. <laughs> but, yeah, I guess the 
other be- uh, other piece of news <laughs> is that at least one I'm excited for is Adjusted Two has the official release date of May 16th of this year coming out, which I'm thankfully surprised at because I thought it was going to come out in November to tie in with the Justice League movie. But the fact we're getting it in May, yeah, <laughs> I'll take it. The sooner the better for that game. I just kind of hope we get more. Uh, reveals as far as who's <laughs> what the roster is going to be because they haven't announced too many characters recently. So hopefully we'll start hearing about that in the next few months. But definitely glad I got this uh, another DC fighting game to look forward to in May. So if only you were, I can get you into fighting games, Dane, that we could play each other. <laughs> yeah, but 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 I do have to say I thought that the uh, the music in uh, Watchmen was really good. Thought it was a nice touch. I know a lot of people didn't like it, <laughs> but I, I thought it was a nice touch by uh, Zach. Especially the intro. I mean, everyone raves about the kind of the opening montage of stuff playing with the. Oh yeah, song, right. Know, but yeah, that definitely still holds up. Yeah, there's the there's the the Bob Dylan song. There's uh, the Simon and Garfunkel song. Uh, what else? The I think. The Hallelujah song. song. (laughs) Oh yeah, Hallelujah. The the Leonard Cohen. Uh, Yeah, I thought I I know a lot of people didn't like it, but I I thought it was a nice touch. We'll see. There's one positive you got for it. Yeah, yeah, and I thought um, Rorschach Rorschach was was really cool. (laughs) Jackie Earl Haley did a good job. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I guess that's it for the more recent news. If I just gotta say. I really don't even like bring this up like in my tweets or anything or just acknowledging it, but I don't know about you, Dane, but are you just getting a little tired of all the Batman movie reports about Ben Affleck? Is he directing? Is he not directing? Yeah. He says they're going to start this date. Oh, wait, it's been pushed back. He's, he doesn't want to do, yeah, like, do it anymore. He's leaving he goes the movie. On Jimmy Kimmel, he, he goes on Jimmy Kimmel and says, yeah, I'm directing he, it. We're doing it. Then the day later, wait, is he actually not going to direct it now? This new report is like, huh. <laughs> I kind of, I think he's starting to feel, I just think he's getting annoyed about all these fans or reporters just asking about it when he gives you an answer, but yet no one takes him. They got to keep asking him again. So it's like. Yeah, and it's, it's not only that, it's also the fact that he's, you know, promoting exactly, other movies yeah. at that time. You know, he's. I think he. I think he was on Kimmel, doing uh, or promoting uh, Live by Night, and before that, he was promoting the the accountant. And of course, he was asked about the Batman uh, movie. And I mean, I, I certainly don't blame him for you know Me being either, irritated yeah. by these questions. Because yeah. like I always said on Kimmel, you know, I'm the same thing I'm doing with Batman. I did with Live by Night, where like. I'm making sure the script's right. It's taken me over a year, but the only thing is, no one cared about Live yeah. by Night. <laughs> That's why nobody asked. But with Batman, it's like, where is it? You got to get it to me now. So it's like, and he never really gave an yeah. official start time or when they're going to be filming. But people kept asking him. We almost were like, yeah, we we hope to start the spring, and then everyone takes it. Oh, they're planning to start in the, the spring, and then when you get word that maybe it is pushed back a few months then it's like oh it's delayed something's wrong and all that it's just so many of these reports that I feel unnecessary especially when Ben Affleck says he gives you an answer what the status is but it's almost like it's not good enough so I'm almost up to the point where you know I can't wait to see his movie but it's gonna get here when it's gonna get here like don't Badger him and right. keep bugging him about it to get to a point where you know what I'm going to make this movie then I'm out of this <laughs> Batman of the DC universe <laughs> like you guys burned me out on it that's like 
the last thing I want to see happen. So yeah, just be calm and wait for the movie to come out, which it will. So I just yeah, I'm kind of getting tired of all these different Ben Affleck Batman movie reports. Just it'll get here when it gets here. Yeah, why is it? Why is it now that all all of this stuff is coming out? You know, because. Is it, it, is it because he's yeah, promoting he's stuff? definitely doing these interviews, and plus two, it's kind of yeah. get to the almost close to the spring twenty seventeen because I think Jeremy Irons said like that's when he expects to start shooting. So there's been some of the actors saying that too. So people are just taking it. Okay, that's when they're going to start. So they have to ask Ben Affleck is the script done? You're still directing it and all that. So oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, <laughs> other than that, I guess the only other thing yeah. I'll mention too, which I'm happy about. Green Lantern, the Green Lantern Corps movie got two writers, so it's still moving forward. And yeah, who David Goyer um, and Justin. Goyer, yeah, uh, I forget his last name, but I know with Goyer, it's like, yeah, he's kind of a jerk as a person. <laughs> Don't really like his personality, how he treats some fans. But I know not all of his movies have been great, but it's hard to ignore the Dark Knight trilogy for him, and even Man of Steel, which I of course love. So I'm excited that this movie is just kind of getting off the ground and I think there could be worse choices than David Goyer if he could do what he did in the Dark Knight trilogy with Green Lantern then yeah but for the most part I'm just happy that this movie has some steam finally and it just wasn't a title and a release schedule but yet things are moving forward with it and the fact that Hal Jordan and Jon Stewart look to be the main characters about it which is exactly what I was hoping for for this movie so I'm excited for a Green Lantern movie again when was the last time I was able to say that (laughs) (laughs) So 2020 is the planned so, release so, date, and that's no, wait, just three years away. So it's yeah, gotta, that's production has to get moving somewhat on it. So <laughs> first step is getting right, and that's taken care of. So what did your brother yeah. say? <laughs> he's he's kind of in my same boat. We're just happy where you know the movie's getting going now, and, just, and he was also really happy that Hal Jordan is going to be in it because that was his main concern if it, they left Hal Jordan out of it. So <laughs> he, oh, he's happy weird. right now. <laughs> Good. Oh, he just has to hope Warner Brothers doesn't screw it up like the last one. <laughs> but yeah, I guess that's most of the big news anyway from the last few weeks. So that can take us to our conversation with Alex and listener feedback. So Dane, you got Alex's email. Uh, well, Alex says, "Happy New Year! Thanks again for another great episode. Thanks, thanks to all your delays, I've been able to rethink the position on things." <laughs> I'm never gonna... calling us out on it, Alex. <laughs> <Jesus>. <laughs> I've I've never made a new New Year's resolution before because I just try to change things immediately. Immediately, but I'm going to do one right now. I'm just going to be positive for this year. You guys need to be critical since you're doing the podcast and you need conflicting views for conversations. I'm just email folk. You're more than email right, folk, so, Alex. You contribute to the show yeah. also, so don't sell yourself short. Yeah, definitely. Alright, so to kick things off, I looked at the Lego Batman poster and I noticed the most wonderful sight. Bane. Yes, sir. Bane is going to be in the Lego Batman movie, so it's set to be my most anticipated entertainment release of next year. I think the movie looked great without Bane, but come on, we all know how much it elevates it. I'm kidding, but Bane is my second comic book character because of how inspirational his story was to me as a kid. I actually don't know how I knew how I knew it because I didn't read The Vengeance of Bane but somehow the whole saga from that story to the time where he befriends Batman and they work together to find his uh, father King Snake in Veritas Liberat 
redemption and fall from grace stories always stick with me because I'm constant, constantly trying to make myself a better person because I ain't perfect. Plus, it's nice to be, have a redeemed villain to throw Batman a bone since the guy works so hard to save people. Also, I got a Netflix account for a month, and guess what was on there? Superman the movie. Previously, <coughs> I only watched I only watched it so I can finally give a true ass- assessment of it. Uh, I said I was going to be positive, so here it is. I'm, posi- I'm positive oh. that it stinks. I'm oh, kidding. thank you, Alec. <laughs> <laughs> I understand why you said it was your favorite Superman, because Christopher Reeve is amazing. I think his Superman is the best on-screen comic book crew. What I like about it so much... Oh, or sorry. What I like so much about that movie is that it's not just a bunch of guys using... Uh, might... Okay, that doesn't make any sense. Like, so much about that movie is that it's not just a bunch of guys using might make makes right violence. I get what he's saying. Might makes right violence. You know, we're using your strength makes it okay for violence. Oh, oh, I see. Okay. Sorry about that, Alex. <laughs> I actually was going through a mode where I wasn't sure if I liked superheroes anymore unless they were written like Vigilante vigilantes like Batman or like mythic warriors like Brian Azzarello's uh, Wonder Woman uh, Superman the movie just reminded me of the fun of the genre the Justice League Unlimited show is a wonderful example of what Superman the movie did by showing that heroism isn't mindless violence Dane at the very at the very least type in Batman Ace on YouTube because it's all my favorite my all-time favorite superhero scene. And since I like it so much, you got to watch it. I, okay, I, I will do that. <laughs> <laughs> they act like heroes, uplifting the little guys and gals who are helpless. I've been in a really dark place lately, and I finally understand what you mean, or what you meant about characters giving hope. Uh, that's what Nightfall did for me as a kid, so I probably should have understood that sooner. There's a solar lack of kindness in the world, so if we can't get it from people, at least showing new characters with compassion gives people hope that people still respond favorably to goodness. I'm not much of a movie watcher, so maybe I'm just rallying off nonsense. (laughs) Uh, I'm just glad you enjoyed Superman the movie, because it is definitely a classic, and for a time set the bar (laughs) for (laughs) all superhero movies and Christopher Reeve will always be the best Superman as much as I enjoyed Henry Henry Cavill in the role I don't think anyone's going to surpass Christopher Reeve he was born to play Superman so glad you came (laughs) out Alex and of course uh, Alex always has questions and his first question is what do you think Joker was like as a child I was watching a movie called We Need to Talk About Kevin and I got the idea for this for this, um, who, how do you think uh, Joker's parents were? If they're alive, it w- it would be so emotionally crippling to see their son like this. Hey, that's the story. Has it been done before? I don't think there has. I mean, like you always say, most of the Joker's past is a mystery. But yeah, yeah, part of me likes to think it's similar. Remember the Greg Horowitz Mad Hatter story in the Dark Knight comics, where he actually had nice, loving parents who were looking out. Yeah, for him. good I parents. Kind of like that to yeah. me for the Joker, just to make it this more this twisted villain who actually had good parents, but he had something 
went wrong. <laughs> he went over like to the dark side of things and became this evil villain. But yet, it, like you said, like you said in your question, Alex, if his parents were still alive, what would they think of seeing their son like this? And would they even know that's their son? So that creates a pretty intriguing story right there. So I kind of like to think Joker actually had a good childhood as a kid, but there's something that that happened to him at some point in his life that made him just snap. Yeah, I'm probably going to agree with that. Uh, I think it was just something in his life that, I mean, I'm sure he just has normal parents. I think it was just something that made him snap, just like uh, Mad Hatter. Um, do, do you remember what made Mad Hatter snap? It was, it was Alice, Alice, right? It was that medicine or pill that he was taking that kind of made him more psychotic. Oh, right, yeah. right. Yeah, 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 I remember that. That was a good series um, when I missed Greg Roberts. He doesn't, does he even write any comics yeah. anymore? No, I think he does yeah, his books now. I've underrated, too. Yeah, yeah. I know everyone, the Dark Knight, he says that's a bad reputation as a title <laughs> during that era, right, but his right. run was really good. He also did the, the, yeah, the Penguin, he, right? right? First uh, became aware of him. The, yeah, Penguin, Pain, uh, yeah, Pain and Prejudice. Really yeah. Yeah. And... Matt Hatter was good as well. Um, he he also did a yeah, scarecrow one, right? That was good one, too, right? but I think Matt yeah. Hatter was just a little better. Yeah, it wasn't as good as the Matt Hatter. Um, the second question is: What are your favorite stories where Bruce is written as a vigilante instead of a superhero? Su- superhero, which uh, do you prefer? I like the vigilante because of the power fantasy angle, but I like him as a superhero as well. I just like people helping others. Yeah, this one. I can kind of agree with Alex where I do like the vigilante stuff a little bit more, but at the same time, I love it when he's mixing in with the Justice League, being a superhero, saving, like doing these uh, Earth-saving events or going out into space to save the galaxy. I do like that stuff, too. I don't think Batman should just be limited to, you know, just in the streets of Gotham, even though that is where he works best. So I prefer that, and I just prefer... I don't say prefer, but some of my favorite stories where he's a vigilante, I'm going to go back to the Appointment in Crime Alley episode in Batman the Animated Series. I like how it showed a day in the life of Batman, just showing what he does as a vigilante in the streets of Gotham and how different things come up <laughs> where he has to either stop a runaway trolley, uh, stop uh, a shooter with a hostage on a billboard because he got laid off, and then you know coming home to a more emotional aspect of why he becomes Batman with Leslie Tompkins being captured. So all that stuff in one night for Batman as a vigilante so that might be one of my favorite stories that showcases him in that role um yeah I, I definitely like him better as a vigilante but uh, I'm gonna have to probably say uh what we talked about earlier uh it's never too late uh he's barely you know in that story but and he's not fighting a uh, a, vil- a super villain. He's fighting just a regular guy, and he's not even fighting that guy. He was, he's trying to help him. Gu- he's trying to help guide him to a better yeah. life, to be a better person. And I, f- I feel that's where Batman works the best when he's not fighting a super villain. When he's just helping somebody who's lost, who's trying to. He, he he's trying to make them a better person. That that's you know that's what I when I think Batman works the best. Um, but his third question is: Do you learn more 
do, do you lean more towards heroes, anti-heroes, villains, or anti-villains, or anti-villains? If you do, if you had it, if you had to choose a preference, yeah, I'm gonna just go with classic heroes. <laughs> I mean, they're what yeah. got us, got me into comic books and superheroes in the first place. But anti-heroes definitely have their place in stories that I like. I mean. Most more recently, yeah. when I never was a Punisher fan, but seeing him in season two of Daredevil <laughs> was a really great telling of I think the anti-hero story, which I really took to. So they can work in certain aspects, but I'm gonna stick with just basic classic heroes that are all over the place in the DC universe. So that's gonna be my pick. Yeah, definitely um, heroes and anti-heroes um, for the reasons you brought up, especially like you said, the the Punisher and. Uh, season two of, of uh, Daredevil because that was done really really well. Yeah. I mean, they 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 they've done t- two movies <laughs> with uh, with the Punisher three. and I felt that it was three movies. Sorry, uh, and to me that was the best interpretation of the Punisher and his backstory that we've got. Uh, you know he's. He's a lost guy, and he's trying to get what he wants. But you know, Daredevil kind of, you know, shows him a better path. I'd say. Uh, so definitely, heroes and anti-heroes. But that actually uh, should be another choice in there, Alex. Heroes in a half shell. I mean, gotta love those type of heroes too. <laughs> <laughs> heroes in a half shell. Um, so yeah, that's it from Alex. Uh, thank you, Alex, for email. We always. We always like reading your emails, Alex, because they're always really good. Those great they questions, come... too. <laughs> ones that are always different great and make questions. Them That's what makes them great. <laughs> um, so, so why don't you read uh, Jordan's email, Tim? Jordan says, hey, Tim and Dane, I agree with Tim that the Arrowverse Invasion crossover was incredible. And reading that just made me realize how long ago our last episode was. <laughs> well, that episode here was early December, so... <laughs> But Jordan says, it's basically felt like getting a third live-action DC movie this year. I even watched it that way, too. I did watch each episode as they aired throughout the week, but then I watched all four again right in a row the following weekend. I definitely considered Green Arrow, The Flash, and Supergirl to be the Arrowverse trinity, if you will, as well. Based on the way Flash took Green Arrow and Supergirl aside almost immediately to introduce them makes me think it's that what the, is, makes me think that's what the writers were going for, too. It was so incredible seeing all these characters interact with one another. My favorite interactions were between Heatwave and Supergirl because they are such polar opposites. And the Heatwave asked Supergirl a certain question that I think we've all probably had in the back of our minds regarding X-ray vision. <laughs> uh, Tim's, Tim's right that billing it as a Fortnite crossover was a bit of a cheat since the Supergirl episode only had one crossover scene. And even that wasn't necessary since it was repeated in the Flash episode the following night. The Arrow episode was by far my favorite part. I've been very vocal in my love of Arrow, even though it's hiccups in the third and fourth season. Seeing so many characters from past seasons return in the crossover was very enjoyable. It had some really touching moments. Oliver having to say goodbye to both his parents and Laurel was heartbreaking. And the scene where Thea wanted to stay was super emotional as well. And then the final fight scene with three of the four previous Big Bad was so much fun. I understand Tim's criticism that the characters escaping the Dominator ship at the end felt a little out of place after that, but honestly, I was pretty impressed with how fully they were able to celebrate Arrow's 100th episode while also framing it with the crossover by borrowing just a bit from Batman the Animated Series. 
I definitely recommend you check it out, Dane. I'm sure Tim and the Flash podcast did a great job of explaining it, but it's certainly worth giving a watch yourself. Yeah, glad you enjoyed it as much as I did, Jordan, but I do have to do what you did eventually while I watch all four or at least three of them all in a row to make it fully like that movie experience that you're talking about, because I'm sure it did have that effect when you watch them all together. So uh, he continues saying, I'm also very excited about Billy D. Williams voicing Two-Face in the Lego Batman movie. It's just another cool nod they're making to Batman's history, while also setting things right by allowing him the opportunity to portray the, vil- the villainous side of Harvey Dent that Batman's soft reboot in the 90s denied him. I'm still hoping that the success of Batman Return of the Kick Crusaders will lead us to getting an animated continuation of Tim Burton's Batman. If that comes to fruition, I hope Williams would repraise his role a second time for that movie as well. That's a really good call. I mean, the, yeah, the Return of the Kate Crusaders in the 60s animated movies are a, continue to be a big hit. I'd love it if they do something to the 89 Batman universe. That would be so cool. I remember there was talk about doing a comic about that a few years ago, but if we were to get that in animated movies, man, I can't imagine that not being a massive success. <laughs> Even if they don't get Michael Keaton for the voice, but like Jordan said, they get Billy D. Williams for Harvey Dent and Two-Face, that could be really, really cool, so... Now I'm really wanting that to happen in the near future, so hopefully that comes to fruition. And Jordan continues saying, Comics, thanks for clarifying your feelings on Tom King's Batman, Dane. I felt the same way about other things before. Not everything is for everybody. Okay, to start, I want to give my thoughts of Batman Annual Number 1. Yes, they did renumber it for Rebirth. Spoilers, I loved every single story in this. The Ace the Bat-Hound origin story rivals the one that was shown in Batman Beyond. I'm really curious what Tim thinks about the way of the Batman-Alfred relationship is, is betrayed in that one, though. Personally, I liked it, but I could see how someone might not. My favorite story in the annual is Silent Night, where we get to see Batman out of the Silent Night in Gotham. He sees some people who he thinks are preparing to commit a terrorist attack, but then turns it out, it turns out they're putting on an acrobatics performance. We get a rare smile from Batman as for once where he was uh, prepared for the worst. He was pleasantly surprised to see the goodness in people. It was really touching. Paul Dini's Harley Quinn story was great. How can a Harley story written by him not be? Very true. <laughs> as it was really funny seeing the interactions between her and Batman as he drove her out of Gotham. And finally, we are introduced to what looks like a future villain, Stag. And man, is he or she scary. In Batman 12, we get Bruce's reply to Selina's letter to him from a couple of issues back. I thought it was amazing. It gets into how Bruce essentially feels like he died when he made the vow to become Batman, and Selina did when Selina did too when she became Catwoman. So that's why they connect with each other so well. Bruce also sort of addresses the fact that he is aware of the absurdity of his mission, what I, which I found fascinating from a psychological perspective. What I didn't see coming was that he says he believes Selina didn't actually kill the 237 people she was accused of murdering, but sets up an interesting mystery. Looks like we're going to get another big Batman vs. Bane battle to wrap up the arc in the next issue, and I can't wait. Well, Jordan, um, you might not want to tune into when I talk about the last few issues of Batman, (laughs) because I did not feel the same way you did about that issue, unfortunately, but uh, I'll save that for a little later. Um, he says, here's a link to that clip of the Batman reference from the Teen Titans animated series. Um, let me know what you guys think. So I did check out that clip, and yeah, it was pretty cool. It was short, but just hearing Dick say those lines where I already have a father to Slade when he says, who knows, maybe you become to, I'll become a father figure to you. That was cool to hear him say that, and then have the bats fly around with that music. So 
Definitely a good call on that, Jordan. And I got to say, too, Ron Pilmer did a great job voicing Deathstroke in that series. I forgot that he did do the voice for him and how good it sounded. I'd love to hear him come back and have more serious take for Deathstroke. He did a really good job. And he continues saying, I agree with Tim about how to introduce the Joker into the DCU AOM shared universe. They could do Death of the Family first, which was hopefully an alteration to the finale, and then Endgame for another film. That would be great. However, I would actually prefer Dane's idea, but I don't think it's plausible within the DCAU, the DCU AOM shared universe. Dick Grayson's time as Batman has come and gone with Batman Bad Blood. Therefore, I don't see a way that they could really rehash that in order to pull off the Black Mirror. I've said it before, but I absolutely share your love of the Black Mirror. It's my favorite Scott Snyder comic. I would love to see it adapted into an animated film, but I think the, the way to do the one is, or the way to do that one as one of the out-of-continuity films in the line. And then finally, Jordan has a couple of questions. He says, What do you want to see out of the recently announced Gotham City Sirens film? I'd love to see them take some inspiration from the new Batman Adventures Girls' Night Out, but change it up a bit, basically have a Sirens versus Birds of Prey movie. Batman would be out of town, so it would be up to Batgirl, Black Canary, and Huntress to stop Harley Quinn, Poison Ivy, and Catwoman. Then you could explain that even more and have the team up to take down an even bigger threat in the final acts, perhaps the, perhaps the Joker. He doesn't look to be in the plans for the first solo Batflick. Batflet? Batflick. <laughs> Those two words that are so hard to say back to back. So this could be an alternative opportunity to uh, see more of Leto's fantastic performance. So, Dane, this is something that we didn't have a chance to talk about before, but the Gotham City Sirens movie that got announced. I know you weren't the biggest fan of Suicide Squad, so um, are you a little excited to kind of see Harley Quinn mix it up with Catwoman and Poison Ivy in this movie, or what are your thoughts on it? Um, yeah, I, I'm trying to find... I'm trying to stay positive. <laughs> Looking for the little bits of positive. Um, I liked Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn. So, yes, I'm kind of optimistic about this. Uh, it's just as long as they don't put Batman in there, I feel. Just just make it about the, yeah. the sirens. Or Joker. Don't put Joker in there. We don't need Joker in, in Gotham City sirens. And this kind of brings up a... a a uh, kind of uh, I'm going to lose my Batman card <laughs> on this one <laughs> because I rewatched uh, Suicide Squad and I just don't like Jared Leto as Joker I don't like his Joker I it's everything from the voice to the laugh to how he looks I just don't like it um, he he kind of sounds like Elvis. <laughs> There's one moment he? where he does, yeah, where he, him and Harley are on the helicopter. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's, it's kind of like if Elvis had a thick Southern accent for some reason. Uh. Or or no, sorry, it's the opposite of that. It's it's if if Elvis didn't have the uh, Southern accent, it's I don't know. I just, I, I just don't like the Jared Leto's Joker. I'm with you on his voice. To me, it's sometimes a little too Heath Ledger, and like you said, that moment where he sounds like Elvis, it, did, it is a little jarring at that point. I yeah. wish it was a little more his own style, but there's stuff about the Joker I really liked. I mean, it's not the perfect Joker, but there's elements where I think if they 
expanded on more, I think it'd be really a cool different interpretation of it. But I do know where you're coming from, so I don't think you have to turn in your back card just for having an opinion on that Joker. So oh, okay, good. <laughs> good, 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 good. And also, it's like the sound he makes with his uh, with his mouth, um, because you know how like the Dark Knight Heath Ledger did the, uh, yeah. the lip smack thing. I, I think Jared Leto tries to do the same thing, and it just doesn't work <laughs> for me. Um, but yeah, the, don't I, I know Joker and the Harley relationship was the 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 big criticism of uh, uh, Suicide Squad, so. Yeah, you don't need Batman and you don't need Joker in there. Just make it about the sirens doing doing their thing, you know? Yeah, for me, I'm really excited about this because um, I actually, not too long ago, too, rewatched Suicide Squad, the extended cut. And yeah, it has its problems, but I really like that movie. <laughs> I love the characters' interactions. Like you said, Harley, Margot Robbie as Harley was really great. And there is some good stuff in there, and despite the weak story as far as trying to stop Enchantress that's the, my biggest issue with it but th- I'm excited for this to see Margot Robbie as Harley again and to bring in Poison Ivy and Catwoman into the DCEU universe so when this first got announced I was wondering yeah. or actually kind of just thinking they're probably not going to be exactly like the comic and have Catwoman and Poison Ivy that might mix it up Harley with some other characters but then David Ayer tweeted out a picture of Harley, Catwoman, and Poison Ivy, and pretty much confirmed that, yeah, that is the lineup they're going with. So I was like, oh, awesome. And I really liked that comic, too, back in, what, 2010, 2011, sometime around there, before the New 52. So I'm excited about the potential with it. And I agree with you on Batman. He doesn't necessarily have to be in this, and it probably would be best if he wasn't. Like Jordan said, he can be out of town or something, or mixing it up with the Justice League in space, (laughs) because... Maybe where yeah. Justice League ends off, who knows where they're going to be. But Joker, I can kind of see working into it, and I kind of want it to be a little bit like the Harley and Ivy episode from the animated series, where you see Harley and Poison Ivy meet for the first time, where it doesn't look like they'd be a good pair together, but then they end up being best of friends and being a good complement to each other. But then you throw Cat- Catwoman into the mix, so it'll make things interesting. But I did like that dynamic of Joker seeing. Harley and Ivy kind of taking the Gotham criminal world by storm and it upsets him <laughs> that he's doing all this without that Harley's doing all this without Joker but we kind of got a little bit of that in the Suicide Squad movie where he wanted her back after finding out that she's mixing it up with the squad so it might be a little repetitive so I don't know I think they could work the Joker in there but it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world if he's not so um, either way I'm really excited for this and even with David Ayer coming back to direct I just hope that Warner Brothers lets him make the movie he wants and not have different editing companies make their cuts while David Ayer's making his cuts and then you combine the two and then you have a, a mess of a movie editing-wise in certain parts of Suicide Squad. So hopefully they can fix that by just having David Ayer do what he wants to do. So yeah, like you, Dane, I'm optimistic for it and I'm excited to see where it goes because more of Margot Robbie... Ho- <laughs> I can't even say Margot Robbie's Harley fast. It's just like I can't say Batfleck, Batflick. <laughs> Margot Robbie's yeah. Harley. Ha- Harley. See, I, I, see yeah. I screwed up. I said, yeah, more of her Harley uh, Quinn is something I can't wait to see because she was definitely my favorite part of Suicide Squad. So, yeah, looking forward to it. <laughs> Margot Robbie's Harley. <laughs> say that three times fast. I, I know I couldn't. <laughs> And Jordan's second question is, how would you rank the four versions of the Batwing that we've gotten in the live action? For me, it would go number four, the Batwing and Batman Forever. 
Number three, the Bat Plane and Batman v Superman. Number two, the Bat in the Dark Knight Rises. And number one, the Bat Wing and Batman 89. So, how would you rank the Bat Wings, Dane? The Bat Wing wasn't in 89, right? Oh, yeah, it was. It was only in. No, it's in 89. Yeah. It was? Man, you need to go back oh. and watch that, Dane. <laughs> oh, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> One of the biggest parts of the movie. Uh, the, 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 yeah, I was about to say the biggest part, the most famous part, uh, when he's. when Joker. <laughs> Yeah, it wasn't penguin uh, class and it was an umbrella gun <laughs> right right <laughs> down that street I, for, I totally forgot um yeah definitely the the batwing 89 is number one because i mean that's yeah. a classic i remember i used to have that oh, toy, toy. yeah it was such I a remember you could, you could get it attach the wings and detach them on the main ship and sometimes i would just yeah use yeah. the wings as like these knives or <laughs> like <laughs> blade weapons when I play with my brothers and stuff. Probably wasn't good because I damaged the wings, but it was still fun to use. Um, second is definitely the bat. I thought that was a I thought that was a great um, uh, interpretation of the bat wing. Um, and, and just the way it sounded, especially in the IMAX theater with the uh, with the state of the art sound or whatever they call it. Uh, I just thought that was awesome um and three i'm probably gonna say the christian i mean not the christian bale the uh the ben affleck one in batman v superman i thought that that one i mean i mean (laughs) there's not a lot of positives from that movie but that was for me the positive especially when um alfred kind of takes over the controls (laughs) and stuff and launches batman into the warehouse um, four, uh, I don't really have a fourth one. Uh, I'm not going to say Batman Forever. Um, yeah, so I'm just going to keep it with the three. Okay. Well, for me, I'm definitely yeah. agreeing with you where the Batwing from 89 is my number one. But here's where I'm going to mix things up. I'm actually going to include the Batman Forever Batwing as my number two because it's not that far off in design as the 89 Batman one. It's a little different, but... It's still. It wasn't like a drastic change that, like, Schumacher did to the Batmobile that looked awful. This Batwing in the Batman Forever actually is still kind of cool. So, I'm gonna go with that as my number two, and number three, I'm gonna put uh, the Batplane from Batman v Superman, and then last is gonna be the Bat. I mean, it's not a horrible design, but it doesn't feel like a plain Batman would use it. Worked in the movie, but it's just never was one of my favorites. But I am with you, Dane. It definitely sounded awesome. <laughs> it sounded better than it looked. I would say so. Those would be my top four. And that's it for Jordan's email. So thank you, Jordan, for sending in the email and having some questions for us. Got to say, miss answering the questions from Alex and Jordan over this last month. So great to get back to having your emails, guys. And look forward to more in the next episode. Yeah, and I have to say, you know, we named the podcast for a year after Mark. You would think the least he could do <laughs> was send in any <laughs> No, I'm just playing. There you go, Mark. Yeah. Next episode, we got to hear from you. <laughs> but with that, I guess we can go into our comic reviews for this episode. So, as always, tons of spoilers. If you haven't read your books yet, you might want to hold off and then come back and listen to what we have to say on them once you do. So, for this episode, we know there's been tons of comics <laughs> we haven't talked about in a month, and we're not going to review yeah. every single one. So, uh, 
what we're going to do, we're going to review Detective Comics 948, All-Star Batman number 6, and Wonder Woman number 14, but then kind of give a quick review recap of like Detective Comics, Batman, and Wonder Woman's that we missed. So before we get into Detective, I'm just going to go ahead and start with what I thought of the last three issues of Batman. And Jordan, if you want to turn away or lower it, <laughs> that was your chance. Because yeah. I'm not going to be too positive on it. Well, because... Oh, oh, he did. Uh, he, I saw on Twitter Jordan went to uh, the uh, to go see the uh, the Batman Lego movie. Yeah, he's got to take some pictures with like the different statues they had of the Lego characters in there. They look pretty cool, <laughs> I gotta say. Yeah, yeah. But Batman twelve, thirteen, and fourteen. Yeah, I didn't. Batman twelve was my biggest problem. I know Jordan said you really liked that letter that Bruce was writing to Selina, and I get what they were trying to do in that, but. There were some lines in there that really rubbed me the wrong way. The wrong way, he Batman actually said in there that how he figures his parents would probably laugh at him for what he's doing, and I was like, no, Batman wouldn't do that or even think that. Yeah, there's others in Gotham or the people who would laugh at him for, and even him himself, he goes, maybe what I am doing is crazy and ridiculous. There's probably is a part of him that maybe thinks that just a little, but that's not what drives Batman to do that, especially with his parents. I would, I always thought. And even Alfred says it in stories in the animated series how his parents would be proud of him because Alfred's so proud of him for what he's doing. And the fact that Batman would even think that his parents would laugh at him and think it's ridiculous for being Batman, it just that rubbed me the wrong way, I have to say. Because I think deep down, because that's what Bruce is doing this for. He is Batman for his parents. And if he thinks his parents would laugh at him, what's really the motivation factor for it? Because knowing how his parents died doing all this for them, making sure what happens to him happens to no one else, but yet they're probably laughing at me for doing this. It just doesn't ring true for me, so I had a big problem with that. And just how the issue or the story ended was kind of predictable. Catwoman never really betrayed Batman. There was a fight with Bane, and I'm hoping the story coming afterwards has more Bane to it, (laughs) or as far as having Bane be a more central figure than how he was here. So it ended predictably. It didn't, like, letter Batman wrote to Selina I really didn't like. And then the, the kind of epilogue issue of Batman and Catwoman on the rooftops, kind of kind of like the aftermath of everything, that was actually pretty good, I will say. They're having this one last meeting where Catwoman thinks Batman's going to turn uh, Selina over because she no longer has a death penalty in Arkham. I think he's just going to take her to prison for helping him stop or get a Psycho Pirate back. But they just kind of had this one night on the town in Gotham City, stopping crimes, and you know, this, it was a good Batman Selina story that felt like classic Batman is a Catwoman that we didn't get too much of throughout this I Am Suicide Squad story. So, yeah, I wasn't the biggest fan of I Am Suicide Squad. It was way too inconsistent. There was maybe one or two good issues in there. I will say I did like the way it ended with uh, Arnold Wesker taking out the Psycho Pirate. That was pretty cool by having bringing back Scarface and Psycho Pirate couldn't <laughs> use his powers against them. That was pretty cool, I have to say. But other than that, I really did not like how Batman was written here, especially that line about people laughing at him for being Batman, including his parents. I was like, no, 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 I don't think so. <laughs> so, sorry, Jordan, was not a big fan of Batman I Am Suicide Squad storyline, but hopefully things get better in the Bane story coming up. But Detective Comics, I will say the whole Victim Syndicate story, I did enjoy how that ended. It kind of didn't end the way I thought, which was kind of nice. There was a big turn for Spoiler, where she was basically Batman, and his team took out the 
victim syndicate, which I thought was pretty cool and how each member took out a different one, especially Clayface and, you know, the guilt he felt about taking out that woman who became like him, but not fully, almost even worse. So good uh, character dynamic stuff there, but then spoiler, um, kind of betraying the team in a way where she realizes that, you know, what they're doing is not what she thought (laughs) being this hero in Gotham protecting it was all about. They might be doing more harm than good. So uh, she kind of gave him an ultimatum with the team where, you know, she would, you know, if they, they had to stop, but I think before she revealed all their identities and what they've been doing out everywhere. So it, it did it, of course, end that way. But I did like how there's this new rift in the team. It's like kind of a good and a bad because that team dynamic in the beginning was so good. But now we lost Tim. We lost Spoiler. And <laughs> it's kind of you were losing these members pretty quickly. I just wish we got more time with them. But for a story-wise, and uh, I thought it worked really well what James Tenney was trying to do in the Victim Syndicate and kind of having more of a rift in this team now and losing members and hopefully or I kind of figure it won't be the last of this roster of changes that Batman's going to have so I thought it ended pretty good and that whole cliffhanger with that uh, with Tim showing up at the end of I believe it was issue 945 I believe where he was, he was there to comfort Stephanie it just turned out to be a computer program that he installed which I kind of figured it was so <laughs> not too much going on there but I thought it wrapped up nicely. Did you finish the Victim Syndicate story arc thing over the last month? No, I didn't. Yeah, I know you... Oh, 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 you're talking about the, um, yeah. the James Tinian storyline. Okay. Yeah, I did. <laughs> I thought you were talking about the... Uh, <laughs> Maybe my, transa- my transition uh, wasn't as smooth, but <laughs> yeah. I moved on to Detective. <laughs> yeah, I liked it. I liked it, and it seems like... Um, it seems like it's going to uh, have a, have something to do with uh, Batwoman. With okay, I think we're getting confused on here. I'm, <laughs> not not this latest issue, but the last story arc. Oh, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I liked it. See, uh, we're, we're still rusty from uh, not being doing uh, this over yeah, months. So. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so. Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, not, not to, you know, uh, jump the gun or whatever, but uh, I think uh, James Tinian is going to be my favorite writer from uh, 2016. <laughs> you might not be alone in that pick. <laughs> I will say too. <laughs> okay, so we said what we thought about the Victim Syndicate storyline. Now let's move on to this current issue of Detective Comics 948 with Batwoman. Yep. So. Uh, this one, yeah, looks like James Tinian setting up another intriguing, interesting art, like he has the last two. And it's like in the middle of it, we're going to get the origins of Batwoman too, which I kind of thought was going to be the more of the focus of this issue, but it was just kind of at the beginning. But it was a cool moment where she was trying to, you know, uh, stalk, I guess, Batman as he's on one of his cases without being noticed. But Batman knows she's there right away, and she has to work on her stealth moves. It was just cool just to show how advanced Batman is over her then at that point. So I thought that was cool. And I did thought it was going to tie into this uh, Monster Men or Night of the Monster Men story arc, which, you know, it was okay, but nothing great. It's, it's done now. I don't think there needs to be any continuation from that. So when it started moving towards that direction, I was like, I hope the whole story doesn't focus on that. But it really didn't, because then it transitioned into uh, the colony coming back to rescue uh, Kate's father. And it was like they have this new uh, 
agent who wasn't part of the main group. He has a cape, he has a cool helmet, and he's infiltrating the Belfry to free him. And Batman and Batwoman are there to stop him. But he says, you know, they, he can't. He says the typical villain speech. You know, I've studied you. I probably know you better than you. Like, uh, there's, I know how to counter all your moves. So there's nothing you can do to stop me. And he does something where he overrides the Belfry's like security system, and it's targeting Batwoman and Batman now. And so he looks pretty free to go rescue uh, Colonel Kane. So uh, looks like we're getting more into the dynamic between Batwoman and her father, which was a great part of the first story arc from Detective Comics, mixing it in with some flashbacks of her origin story. So I really like Detective Comics 948. And Dane, I just realized we didn't think of a rating scale <laughs> for this section of the comic book review. So now we got to try to figure out. How about... Um... How about uh, our rating scale is going to be uh, times that Tim can confuse Dane on what comic he's actually talking <laughs> about. <laughs> Which might happen a lot in this section <laughs> since we're so, so many backlogged on comics. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I'm going to give this one three and a half out of five comics that I'm confusing Dane on when we're trying to review these comics. <laughs> uh, for me, this one is it, it's, it, it's kind of a just a beginner story. It's um, it's to begin the 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 next storyline. Um, nothing much really goes on in it, but I did like the callback. Um, you know when uh, Batwoman first got started, and I thought this was going to be more uh, Batman centric because I mean uh, Batwoman centric because I mean she's right on the cover and she's you know front and center, and I thought it was just going to be about her. But it seems like she's still working with with uh, Batman, and I know we have the uh, the upcoming uh, Batwoman uh, series that's going to be happening. And uh, Marguerite Bennett wrote this issue; she's going to write that. And I thought this was going to be a more of a Batwoman uh, issue, but it seems like uh, we're still we're still in that James. James Tanian yeah. story. So um, while I I was hoping for the Batwoman thing, um, I'm more than happy if you know she's still working with uh, the entire group and she's still working with Batman and stuff. Um, yeah. So for me, uh, nothing really really happens in this uh, this issue besides that guy in the cape uh, and learning about uh, this. Uh, is it is it like a what is that thing that they're trying to uh, stop from getting out? Yeah, it's one of the because they're trying to weaponize the formula that we use to create those monster men. So yeah. they were called in uh, to investigate because they're having problems with it. Where like these seagulls are getting infected with it, and they're turning into monsters. Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah, that was the point of the story. Like, okay, yeah. I don't know if we need to revisit the monster men stuff again, but thankfully, it wasn't the thrust of the story. Yeah. So yeah, so I'm. Um, I mean, it, it's it was a it was a good issue for what it was it was kind of a fast issue it was yeah. a small issue um but if if this is going to be the next storyline i'm more than happy with it because it seems like uh uh it seems like we're going back to the colonel being the the big bad guy so i'm more than yeah, happy definitely. with that uh so I'm going to give this like you uh, three and a half out of five times that you can confuse me with uh, different <laughs> comics. 
<laughs> Alright, so next up is All-Star Batman number 6, and before I get to that one, just a quick recap on All-Star Batman number 5, which concluded the Two-Face story. I really liked how Scott Snyder wrapped that up, because the whole thing was they were trying to get to that house to get to the cure, and then Batman realizes that Harvey Dent was kind of playing, playing Batman, not Two-Face, where Harvey Dent set off the whole thing to create that acid rainstorm in Gotham so you know Batman would be forced to put this cure on him because the cure actually kills the Harvey Dent personality so Two-Face can just take over it was pretty much Harvey giving up being trying to fight Two-Face so that's why he wanted Batman to give him this cure so he could just be Two-Face all the time and when Batman realizes or he did kind of figure as a backup plan we know Batman's always one step ahead where if this was a trap or there was something more to this cure Batman had another plan so he wouldn't he did something to the cure where instead of actually... He gives it to Harvey thinking, you know, he's going to cure him. But it actually turns out what Batman gave him that he had Harold mix up this new formula where he injected Harvey to where this cure can never affect him anymore. This is kind of like a resistance-like formula where anything... If he tries to put that cure in him, it won't work. He's now going to be the split personality forever in Batman's All. If you really want to fight Harvey, you got to, you know do it like you've always been really fight off the your other personality so it was a good way i thought that scott snyder turned the story around where it was harvey kind of maybe mainly the bad guy behind this whole thing instead of two-face and where you know this whole cure was just to see who what's personality was stronger and harvey knew he couldn't fight the his other personality in two-face and he just wanted to give up so it all ended you know batman captures harvey because now he's it's going to be the same old Two-Face. It's not going to be one dominant over the other. They're both going to be have that struggle. But I thought it was a good switch as far as, you know, who was actually the main bad guy in this, Harvey, and not the Two-Face. So it was good. I really liked how he wrapped it up. But now moving on to All-Star Batman number six, Scott Snyder is moving on to Mr. Freeze. And <laughs> we, it's, all, it's no secret how much I did not like that Batman annual where he changed Mr. Freeze's origin. So I'm hoping for a rebound here. And first off, I'll just say I just love the structure of this book. That's not your typical comic. There's no, you know, uh, dialogue bubbles where you're seeing the dialogue from the characters. It's just uh, written uh, notes throughout the comic. And it's but what was really different about it that I like, it reads like a book where there is a narrator in it. Batman says some dialogue, then it'll say, the narrator will say, Batman said, or Mr. Freeze said. So it didn't feel like a traditional comic, which I thought was cool, and I thought it would work for it. And then you got Jock as the artist, which, you know, <laughs> him and Scott Snyder made for a great team back in the old days, so it's great to see them back on a book together again. So I really liked how this comic was put together. It was different. Um, just the story, it didn't grab me. It wasn't horrible, but it just kind of felt like a generic Mr. Freeze story where, he, you know, He's at uh, the Arctic Circle in the north where he's there's this uh, reactor where he's going to set off to freeze over the world. There's these spores in there that will slowly kill all life because he's using – he brought back these other people that froze themselves in cryogenic freeze. Um, he kind of woke them up to be his army and he wanted them to, you know, to – help them steal his formula to continue his research to help bring back Nora but then he realized I'm going about this all wrong I need to think bigger I need Nora to wake up in a world that's you know just full of ice where we can all be happy this is like my dream but you know Batman tries to talk to reason Nora wouldn't like that she would hate you for that to destroying the world and bring her back into it stuff we've seen with Mr. Freeze stories before and Batman had one ace up his sleeve he had these like gauntlets that he that were really heated, and in there contained this virus to stop the poor these spores that are in this reactor from causing the 
Earth to be killed by the snow and just slowly kill people with disease. So Batman was able to... It was a little far-fetched, I thought, where Batman kind of has this virus in him, but he's surviving it because his arms are so heated and you see how red they are, and he uses that to stop the reactor. And he takes Mr. Freeze and him, they're hide, they go to escape in a bunker because um, Batman knew like the military was going to come and bomb him in this uh, reactor core anyway. Uh, if Batman couldn't stop him, but he still wanted to try and save Freeze, which he does. So um, it was okay. Hopefully, there's more to the story later on since Freeze's plan failed. Batman stopped him, so maybe there'll be more to this Mister Freeze story than just this generic plan that he had moving forward in the next part. So uh, that was okay. And then we got another backup story with uh, Duke still in training with Batman through the wheel uh, training simulation. Uh, so this, but now they're trying to confront Miss or the Riddler, and I liked how they call back uh, Riddler every zero year anniversary. Riddler tries to stop Batman and create some hard uh, clue or puzzle to, for Batman to outdo him, to, knowing because you know how obsessed Riddler is with trying to outsmart Batman, and knowing zero year was the first time that happened. I like how he's going to make it every year, every anniversary, that an annual thing for him to try to <laughs> beat Batman. And there was one where they got to save these hostages in this building, and Batman has like this crossword puzzle that Riddler gave him that he's trying to figure out. But Duke doesn't want to wait because he knows the bomb's going to go off. Batman thinks he has it, but it turns out he was wrong. And the building explodes with Duke kind of on the building, being hooked up to a wire caught in the explosion. So kind of a cliffhanger ending where you're thinking what Duke's fate is. So it was short, but it was still a pretty uh, fun backup story with the Riddler. I liked how, like I said he's capitalizing on the anniversary of zero year. So um, this was an okay issue. Uh, like I said, the, my favorite part about it was how the comic was laid out through the narration, through the art and how there were no word bubbles or anything. It, it was a different uh, looking comic, which I like. So I'm going to give this one three out of five comic stories that I confused Dane on when we're reviewing them. <laughs> and now that moves us over to wonder woman and Hopefully I won't confuse you on this one, Dane, but have you read the last two issues regarding year one and the current Wonder Woman time frame? Uh, okay, no, I so haven't. You're a little yeah. behind on Wonder Woman. Yeah. Um, yeah. So those two issues, year one, issue 12, was a cool one as we see Wonder Woman kind of interrogating those terrorists who attacked that mall, and she's using the lasso of truth to you know get some answers out of them because they won't talk, which was a really cool sequence. You see moments with her and Steve Trevor uh, just you know, helping her adjust, train, L- really great artwork in there. And, but then at the end of the issue, we got to reveal that Ares is kind of the, the god of war behind all this and that terrorist group, which I didn't see coming. But it was really cool effect uh, that we just burst into their building and just uh, towering over everybody. So that's how year one uh, left uh, before this current issue, and then issue thirteen in the current timeline. It's where Steve Trevor and Diana is the aftermath of her realizing she's never been back to the mascara, and she's kind of lost it. She's almost like not remembering who Steve is. She can't understand him anymore, and she's just in shock. She doesn't know what's going on. And then there's this military group that goes after them. It's like this all-female, like Navy SEAL type special ops team that goes trying to bring them in and take them out. And but they're able to. It's almost like a survival story with Steve Trevor and Wonder Woman, him making do what he has in this on this island to stop this military group. But then his uh, reinforcement comes in from his from Steve's military group and is able to get them off the island. And then at the end, Wonder Woman kind of checks herself into a hospital uh, just to you know, has to straighten things out where her mind is just not right. So uh, definitely 
leaves you intrigued for where this story is going next, where the next story arc is going to be called The Truth. So it definitely uh, <laughs> left me hanging as far as, you know, how Wonder Woman's going to get out of this and how she's going to affect her moving forward. So definitely a good job with that in the current timeline. And that brings us to this latest issue, number 14, where the year one story arc wraps up. And no secret how much you and me love this uh, storyline, Dane, and it wrapped up in a pretty much a, as much as well as I could hope for. My only complaint is that it just felt there was too much going on for one issue. I really, like I said, Ares revealed himself to be the main bad guy here, uh, as influencing those terrorist groups and that virus they're going to set off. They realize in different parts of the world that's going to make people act out of hate and just do these awful things. So they have to stop that. So it's kind of a mix of the two where you got Wonder Woman in the beginning fights Ares, which was a great battle. Like I said, the artwork on him was really cool. And it looks like, too, there's reports saying that he's going to be the main villain of the Wonder Woman movie, Wonder Woman film. And if he looks anything like he does in here, I, he's going to look awesome in live action. <laughs> I just really love his design. So we had great layouts of fights with Wonder Woman Ares, and he, she even got help from the Patreon gods in the form of animals, which again helped make this for an epic fight so that was really cool i love that stuff but then i kind of wish the whole issue would have been that fight because it felt like a great way to end what was this awesome year one story arc and she's able to defeat Ares with the lasso of truth and the help from the patrons he's not like she killed him he just escapes um but then they have to move on to stop those uh those uh, that virus getting out from to make people just act on their hateful emotions. <laughs> one of my favorite moments was one of the patrons and Al just grabs a phone uh, from uh, I believe General Candy and he just takes it and sits on Steve's shoulders and he just using his uh, talent to use an iPhone <laughs> to give him locations on where to stop these terrorist groups are at. This is a little funny moment that I thought was pretty cool. So yeah, the second half of the issue is Diana and Steve just going from all over the world stopping this terrorist group from unleashing that virus. And like I said, it felt just a little too rushed. Wonder Woman was able to stop him, of course. And it was for a, made for a nice moment where the last part where they were trying to affect this uh, auditorium full of children. And Wonder Woman actually got affected by it. And she was kind of lashing out at them and giving it to her hate, which is that gas does. But she was able to overcome it, you know, use the lasso of truce to get rid of that gas and prove that, you know, she really is, uh, didn't succumb to that the emotions of feeling the hate for wanting to kill those people from unleashing that toxin. She was able to, you know, remain true and good. But then the issue story ends with, you know, her finally being recognized as a superhero in this world now where they look at all these newspapers where she gets her name, but they're calling her Wonder Woman. So it was a nice way to wrap it up. Like I said, the only negative about it was, it was like too much for one issue i kind of wish it was just ended on that fight with aries because that was really really cool so i'm going to give this one four and a half out of five uh comics that i'm confusing dane on when i'm trying to review them so definitely catch up on it was it. a good it ended, ending it ended really good okay good that's uh... If if you liked it, I know I'll yeah, like I it. Mean, we love the other issues, and these ones just continue to build on what was great about it. So yeah, Wonder Woman continues to be one of the best reboots comics out right now. Okay, good, good. Yeah, that's great. That, that's great so, to hear. Before we end the comic review, I just wanted to do some quick hits. Like I said, there was tons of comics that came out. Uh, yeah, Batman Beyond, I believe issue three or four, that got really good because, like I said before, the main story of that was the Joker game trying to revive the original Joker but it turns out that's not the real Joker it's actually 
Bruce Wayne he has captured, and he just made him look like the Joker. Everyone thought Bruce was dead, so that took through the story on its head <laughs> in that comic. So I was really intrigued by that. I can't wait to see where that goes. So that was a cool twist for Batman Beyond. Batman and the TMT Adventures number two was really good uh, last month. Joker in a Shredder confrontation. I never knew how awesome that would be for the two total opposite villains come together and Joker being Joker and Shredder being Shredder made for some great moments. And then Batman, his team, Batman, Robin, and Batgirl fighting the Ninja Turtles in April made for funny uh, moments too. And then the issue ended with Poison Ivy making herself known with one of the Turtles' plant villains called Snakeweed. So that's continuing to be a fun story like, like I knew it would when you're combining two of my favorite animated series so that's been great and then finally we'll talk about because there's so many comics i don't know if we review i'll review every issue but justice league and power rangers was a lot of fun (laughs) this past week too uh that didn't have quite the same effect as the batman ninja turtles did but uh this one was just art was great seeing the power rangers interact with batman (laughs) was really fun i gotta say so definitely check that one out if you're ever a fan of Power Rangers, because while as ridiculous as it sounds, it made for a pretty fun story seeing them interact with Batman and the Flash so far, but we know the rest of the Justice League is going to come up. So, yeah, definitely a lot of great comics this last month, that's for Dark Shirt, so I was wondering how I was going to get through all of these comics that we missed on, because there were some big storylines going on, and I wanted to make sure, even if we didn't give full reviews on them, just wanted to give our thoughts, just to wrap up some big story arcs that went on so we're caught up now and now hopefully i won't confuse you anymore on the episodes to come day where we just got three or four issues to talk about <laughs> okay good good uh, so with that i guess That's we're it. done right i'll throw the outro to you dane as always all right just go over to the batmanuniverse.net on facebook.com slash the batman universe on twitter twitter handles at batman universe our show's twitter handles at bat fans podcast Tim's Twitter handles at TimG311. I'll say Thanks, it. Dave. It's because it's um, been so long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and my Twitter handles at DatesisBanana. Uh, you can email the show at batfansandoutpants at gmail.com. And yeah, I think that's it, right, Tim? All right, so with that, just remember, like you said, Dan, have every show, just remember feeling lonely, feeling alone in this world, Tim, right? Remember, Tim and Dane do in fact care about you, right there. All of our hearts. So with that, we'll see you guys next time.